Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. What's up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And this podcast is with my friend Dean. You may know him as the number 15. He is now on the Fire Sports Honda, the uh, fire-breathing 450 machine. Uh, But no, this was a really really fun podcast we've been wanting to do this one for a long time now um but we've always done like the little AusX open and the new zealand live thing so this was our first chance to do a proper uh, a proper deep dive into i guess just dean his career his life um he's had a hell of a career i guess he's retired from full-time uh like motocross supercross um he's not with factory husky anymore uh, so yeah, he kind of had a few stories to share, maybe some of the stories that you kind of can't get away with sharing when you're on a factory team. So yeah, really enjoyed this one. Um, it was just good to get to sit down for a few hours and uh, and have a yarn as well, to be honest. So I enjoyed this one. Uh, I know you guys will too. Dean Wilson is one of the fan favorites for a reason. Uh, and I think with this new Supercross only um, deal that he's doing, he's racing AusX next year, uh, sorry, the Oz Supercross next year and the World Supercross next year, uh, as well as the AMA. So I think we're going to see a lot of Dino uh, in the coming years, and that makes me pretty stoked. So uh, before we get into that, though, we'll uh, we'll do the ads. It's never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts, whether it's for a friend or the friend in your pants. You can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the Lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for free shipping and 20% off. You guys all know that I'm just a simple, simple man. And Manscaped has really made my grooming routine, well, it's actually made it into a routine. I've said it before, you just go from start to finish, everything in the Manscaped performance package, and uh, you're pretty well dialed in. It kind of takes all of the guesswork out of it. This Manscaped performance package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. And I'm telling you, you deserve it all. The Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling performance package, plus Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, and Ultra Premium Deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and the Weed Whacker Nose, Ear, and Hair Trimmer feature proprietary skin-safe technology 
to protect your delicate presence. Plus, both are waterproof, so there's no issue cleaning the snow out of your driveway, if you know what I'm saying. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Package Shower Products. All of Manscaped shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. The Platinum Package 4.0 sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit. And for the perfect stocking stuffer, add the brand new Body Buffer, an incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than that old snotty loafer. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code gypsygang. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays and help support your favorite podcast. I've actually got an exciting festival to tell you about that's happening on the Gold Coast. I'm not sure if you've heard about the Urban Sport Fest yet, uh, but one of my mates, Matt Burgess, is running this event on the Gold Coast. It is called Urban Sport Fest, and it is on December 9th to 11th, uh, 2022. Urban Sport Fest is Australia's first BMX Freestyle World Cup and qualifying event for the Paris 2024 Olympics. And it is also combined with a three-day music festival. So pretty exciting. Approximately 150 BMX freestyle athletes are traveling from across the globe to the Gold Coast to compete. And everyone is frothing for this. Uh, They're frothing for it because this is Australia's first BMX freestyle World Cup uh, at the start of summer. And these international riders are coming here to knock off Australia's best, including current Olympic gold medalist, uh, Gold Coast own and Gypsy Tales own Logan Martin. Uh, so this is going to be a sick event. Uh, and then they're combining this with plenty of food and drink as well as a bunch of other activities for the kids. Uh, so this is a one-off event that is perfect to kick off summer on the Goldie uh, for the young and the young at heart. Uh, and this is a really great family event. So make sure you get your tickets now for this family-friendly three-day music and BMX festival at the Ur- at urbansportfest.com. This is going to be really cool. Uh, if you've never seen Logan Martin, Brandon Lupos, if you've never seen those boys in the flesh, uh, you have to go see it. It is just insane what these guys are able to do. So super excited for that. We are also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile. And going on right now from the 9th to the 15th of November is the Boost Sim Frenzy Sale. The $200 uh, SIM that gives you 140 gigabytes of data, that is now $40 off. So that is uh, on sale for $160. Uh, And the 40 gigabyte SIM uh, that normally goes for $30 is now $8. So you're saving $22 uh, on that SIM card. Um, This SIM offer ends on the 15th of November. Uh, and terms and conditions do apply, and this is for new customers only. All the information is right there at boost.com.au. Uh, we're also brought to you by guys at MX Store, and if you order before 2 p.m., I missed out 2.47 as I read these ads right now. If you order before 2 p.m., you are going to get same-day shipping. It's practically just like being there and going to the store. Uh, the guys at MX Store are the number one in Australia for dirt bikes, parts, and accessories. mxstore.com.au. 
We're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. Gypsy Gang is going to get you uh, 15% off there. I haven't worn other gloves in a long time. You hear me say it every single episode. Uh, Fist, Gypsy Tails, we're one and the same. We're all family, you know. Uh, We're also brought to you by the guys at Tropical Auto Group in Rocky. They've just got in the new Ford Raptor Ranger. The thing looks titty city, I must say. I am partial to my D-Max. I really like it. It's got the CTO lifted kit and it's got like the big wheels and the Fox shocks. It's got all that now. But I just would be lying if I said I didn't look at uh, the Instagram they posted the other day of the new Ranger Raptor and was like, mm, okay, I see you, I see you. Uh, if you're in the market for a newer used car, hit up Kyle at Tropical Auto Group. They're in Rockhampton. But if you say you're a member of the Gypsy Gang, he's going to look you up. You're also going to get a $500 gift card to MX Store as well. Uh, and also the guys at Rival Inc. You can head to rivalincdesignco.com. We're running the Gypsy Kit. I see you guys buying it tagging it uh, i've been sharing it on instagram uh when i see it pretty fucking cool if you ask me so rivalinkdesignco.com gypsy gang gets you 15 percent off there so don't slip on that and that code gypsy gang gets you 30 percent off in the gypsy tales shop uh so if you just go to gypsy-tales.shop you're going to be able to see we've got uh we actually found some merch we did a stock take and we had a few more sizes and stuff than we thought so yeah, you can uh, you can get 30% off with the code Gypsy Gang at our merch shop and that really helps us out. We're also brought to you by the guys at Dixon Flannel. You can head to dixonquality.com.au. They've just dropped a dope Millsy flannel. Uh, so if you're a fan of Jack Miller, like myself, go and get his official flannel from, uh, from dixonquality.com.au. Uh, and Fist, if you're a big Fist fan, as am I, um, then they've just dropped their 2023 Fist Dixon collab as well. All right, that is it from me and the ads. Enjoy this podcast with the one and only Dean Wilson. Sweet. Dean Wilson is finally... After five years and three hundred and twenty something episodes, is finally doing the podcast. Oh man, Jace, it's been a long time. You know, I always wanted to do the podcast. Always wanted to do it. I think you do great work, knowing you for a long time. But I always wanted to come on and tell certain stories and things. But I felt like I was in a situation where the stories that I was going to tell my team didn't know about. So it was like. I wanted to come on here when I could really just say what I want to say and um, let loose, have some fun, have some good banter, and just enjoy it. You know, um, yeah. Let's let's carry on. Nah, dude, I'm I'm stoked. So should we should we just like I've kind of been waiting for a long. Time. <laughs> dude, I've been waiting uh, to do this podcast tell- for so long. Like we have, <laughs> I think this is going to be a cracker of a podcast. <laughs> uh, so. Should we talk about the first time that we met? Do you remember like the that, two weeks? No, I remember. So, so no, we'll definitely start at that. So first time I yeah. met Jace, he stumbled. Yeah, your version will probably be funnier than mine. <laughs> well, so it was 2010. I just won rookie of the year at the banquet, right? Is this the same as you or no? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I yeah, just won yeah. rookie there. You just won Pala. Won Pala. And then I won rookie of the year. 2010 and we're at the banquet i'm with my family <laughs> and then we're walking through the casino the pala casino and there's some 
drunk Australian guy <laughs> that has no idea how he's getting home, <laughs> doesn't know where he's staying. And you know, my mom, my mom's a sweetheart. You know, she's like, oh, well, just come with us. Just, you know, we got a place for you to stay. And so we, we rescued you. Brought you back to the house, fed you, got some food and water in you, and uh, that was, uh, I think, our first, our first meet there. Yeah, 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 dude. I remember, I remember just being fucking so wasted at the casino. I was fine until I was like walking out, and then Kelso from Rockstar gave me like a bunch of shots of Sam Booker yep. or something. Mm-hmm. And then next thing I remember, I'm just in the underground car park at Parlour Casino. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then I remember like, I, I remember that I was like laying on your bed <laughs> and you come in and you're like, the fuck are you doing dude? Get out uh, of here. I remember. And then I, no, it was good. I, but the funniest part was I woke up in the morning and I couldn't remember any of this shit. And all I remember was waking up having no idea where I was. I was just on a couch somewhere. No one was awake yet. And I got up and I had a piss. And I was like looking on the walls at family photos trying to figure out where the fuck I was. I've been in America for like three days. Oh, and then uh and then your mum your mum comes down the stairs and she's like morning honey do you want any breakfast or coffee and i was like where the actual fuck am i and then i finally saw it and then i finally saw a picture of you and i was like no fucking oh way, man dude. i already got the tears good oh no that was the start that was the start yeah that was the start and that was 2010 and then uh we can go off to yeah. uh mx of nations what was that i think that was a couple weeks after 2010 it was like uh, it was like two weeks later right so I knew do you remember do you remember the uh do you remember going through jack in the box in the morning after that no after apollo dude we went through designations that after that nah after that morning you were you were dropping me off back at walter's house remember we went on the lake for the day and i do uh, remember that and then uh, and then so we went through jack in the box for breakfast in the morning and you ordered the food and then the the chick at the drive-thru was like that'll be 9.95 ma'am and i just fucking oh yeah my yeah shit. i had a hard time my voice <laughs> you were- my voice wasn't too deep for a long period of time it still isn't it's gone a bit better but oh man how do you think i felt when i was racing i was like when the when i made a band i'm like yeah it was a good race out there and i was like Hey, what do you do though, right? Hey, I can't do nothing about it. But the funny thing was, is like, what, remember when you used to leave voicemails on your phone? <laughs> I used to be like, yeah, yeah. Hey, this is Dean's phone. <laughs> Put on this big, heavy voice. <laughs> leave a, leave a, leave a voicemail. But um, no, nah, that was funny. So yeah, that was that was when I first met you, Paula, 2010, and then we went to MX of Nations in Colorado. I wrote Which for was your TV. debut. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wrote for Team for Canada. And- yeah, d- debut for Team Team oh, Great Britain, yeah. but I wrote for Canada the year before, but I was still an amateur. So I wrote for Great ben- Britain in 2010. And uh, so I remember it was Friday and you and Walters and there was a big crew of yous and uh, yous all went out <laughs> that night on Friday. And me being a good boy, I was in bed and uh, I had qualifying the next day, but yous were with some girls and i was like oh man and i was with bogle justin was staying with me for the weekend so i was like i was a bit of a menace back then and 
So I was like, Justin, let's let's go out there. Let's go let's go check it out. Like we were not drinking or nothing. We're just gonna go out, check out the scenes. And um, so we go out. It's the night before MX of Nations. Like <laughs> such a dumb idea. So we go out and. We're going out to the hotel and we go to walk through the lobby and Mitch is there drinking beer in the lobby. I'm like, oh no, we can't go out here. So we, we take the fire exit. <laughs> we go down the fire exit, take the back door and then we're off. So we go and we meet you down there and we're like in a club and we're like, we're just checking it out, you know, and like, we're just vibing, we're having a good time. And um, I don't know, it got late. That's all I know. And it's quite funny. <laughs> I held the story for a long time. I never told anyone this story. And then everything was good. I was going to make it fine. Obviously, I wasn't drinking or anything, but it was late. It was like one or two in the morning. I'm driving all you drunk people back. And then Walt, I passed this cop, remember? And then Walter's is like, oh, you're good, bro. You're good. He's like, don't even worry about it. Right as he says that, the cop lights me up. Thank God, obviously, I wasn't drinking. I'm like, all, first thing that comes to my mind is my mom and dad are going to kill me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm dead. So I'm sweating it. I got a ticket for speeding. It was like 10 over or something. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to tell them this one? So, so yeah, next day was qualifier. <laughs> Come out the start, got pushed off. Um, rear wheel got wrapped up in that green fence. Remember that? Yeah. And I, D, I yeah. DNF the qualifier. And I'm like... This is not, this is why I get for being an idiot all weekend. Like, this is why I get. So anyways, uh, race day comes and I actually rode really good on race day. Um, we got P4 overall, but I rode well, good enough to spell the news to my mom. Do you remember? We're sitting in underneath the, uh, Alpine star. We're eating and then I'm like, oh, I'm like, uh, I think I spiced the story a little bit. I was like, Hey mom, um, so I got you something to tell you. You definitely this story. I was like, I got something to tell you. She's like, what's that? I was like, well, I was in bed. Jace calls me and he was drunk and he picked up. So me being the nice guy I am, I went into town and picked him up. Drove back and I got a speeding ticket. And then I think she was quite <laughs> upset. And then when she found out what time it was, she was really upset. But hey, that's what that's what makes the good stories, you know? Hey, and yeah, I, the things I, I did for you. sitting there. Oh, bro, I remember sitting there and hearing the story of, like, what went down. And what went down was Dean basically threw me in front of a semi-truck and just watched me cartwheel down the road. <laughs> and much. I was just like, yeah, I'm really... I'm like, I'm really sorry that I asked him to come and pick me up. And I was like, you motherfucker. Yeah, So, like, much. in two weeks, two weeks, your parents birth... And, like... The story is so believable because two weeks prior, your mum literally rescued me from yep. sleeping in the parlor car park. So I just looked like the most darrow piece of shit that was <laughs> trying to lead you astray. And I just uh, took it. I was like, all right, yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, that was good. Funny that was good. Yeah, that was good times. That was good times. I had a lot of good times in my younger years for sure. A lot of... No, I mean, a lot of funny stories you know yeah dude nah that was I mean, I think, that was like one of the go ahead okay no, <laughs> i was just saying like after, after that week <laughs> no no you go, you, go, you go okay okay no i was just saying like i have so many funny stories like i had such a good group of people around me when i was like rookie year to like the first four years we pray uh we just had a great time you know we i, I made the most of my uh my youth and uh 
it was good. We we're doing well. We we're winning races. We we're having fun, and it was it was good times for sure. I had a good group around me. Um, it was fun. It was fun. But it, who, it, when I look when I look back at that? it, sorry. When, when I look back at it though, like I'm glad I really made the most of it. You know, like I I obviously worked my butt off writing and training, and you know that was never an issue for me. But I'm just glad that when I look back, like I really. I really made the most of it, you know. So um, it was it was a fun ride for sure. Back in like the PC days and stuff, definitely had a few talks with Mitch in his office. But um, it's all right. That, <laughs> Mitch was cool because he was like kind of just like a, a father figure to me. Like the way he spoke to me was like how my dad would speak to me. You know, like pull your fucking head out your ass. Like what are you doing? Like, and I liked that because it felt normal. And where. When yeah. Roger DeCoster would kind of be upset with me or talk to me, like, he wouldn't say anything. And that was worse. That would, like, stress me out. And, like, you know, I liked when Mitch would just, <laughs> like, tell me how it was, right? And then pull your pull your head out your ass type thing. And I liked that because that's how my dad was. And it, you know, yeah. So it was, it was funny. Yeah. I mean, there was definitely, I mean, you were never, like, drinking too much and, like, you know, carrying on in that sort of way. And I think that the scene was kind of like that in a way like i feel like there was still i remember going to after parties after supercross and like that those first couple of years were so much fun and yeah. then it sort of changed a bit if it, it felt like because i remember like dude i remember crazy shit like kenny in oakland like i won't fully tell the story but like kenny was like blind in oakland one time and we're like I was like chasing him around Oakland when he's still in the lights class. He's smoking everybody. Mm -hmm. And then after the races, like he's just absolutely fucking gone. I don't know if it. I would like to and go no out in Oakland. <laughs> Bit sketchy no, over and that's there, what no? I was trying to Bro, that's what I'm like trying to get in his head. I'm like, bro, this ain't fucking Dusseldorf, all right? Like yeah, we really yeah. need to we need to respect where we are right now. Yeah. But I don't know. And that, even when I was when I was talking to Tommy on the podcast, it was sort of he even he had the same thing like we had so much fun but i think a lot of it was because social media wasn't around as yeah, much sure, as sure. what it is now like it was a little bit different people weren't like people were still posting their alarm clock and sunrises like there was no stories it just yeah. i don't yeah. know the vibe was, was different and it yeah. felt like people were down to kind of party a little bit at least right right yeah i mean i was always i wasn't like really a massive party guy but i love to go out and i had you know, I had one thing on my mind, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was just young and hungry. <laughs> I was young and hungry. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget 2010. It was my rookie year, so I was 18. And uh, PC went one through four at Vegas. And I actually should have won that race. I went from like fourth to second. Last lap, I went second back to fourth. But PC boys are over the moon. They won, they won uh, West Coast and East Coast, I think with Weimer and Purcell, you're pretty sure. And then it was me and Hanny. So we went one through four, and then the team is just over the moon. Um, such a good year for them. And then, so I'm 18, rookie year. I'm like, oh, I want, like, I'm going to this monster party. Like, I didn't even know how I was going to get in, but I was a man on a mission yeah. to get into this thing. So I, uh, we get there, and then I'm with my cousin and stuff, who's from Scotland and with some family, and 
I'm standing outside the door and I'm trying to, I'm just sussing the situation, you know, I'm 18, I've got my chain on, my monster hat, I got my true religions on, like, I'm ready to rock. And the team's just like, they didn't, they were just on a sweet one. So I remember I'm like kind of watching the door guys and they're checking IDs. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, how am I going to make this happen? So I remember there was like a group, like Chad Reed and ash from monster and everyone like there was a pack of them and i just weaseled my way into the middle of it and just you know no, it, it kind of got a little like clustered and crazy and it's i got into the party and i remember i was just in there dancing up a storm like first pretty much first time in a nightclub in vegas had a good night of racing dancing with all the monster chicks this and that i'm just like oh i'll never forget that night tommy was there um everyone was there it was just it was just i'll never forget that that was so funny but um yeah it, that was just good times back then and there's always like a group around you that's a little bit older than you that can yeah. like kind of mentor you like tommy <laughs> so, yeah yeah you got and, like you're you're young got zero experience but there's always a couple guys around you that can like get yeah you up the yeah and quick. i was pretty innocent back then so like i went to the party i didn't touch i literally had like 12 monsters i didn't drink i had monster in like a cup so it looked like i was drinking but i was just like pounding monsters and uh oh, i'm losing my train of thought here oh that's where i was going was i was pounding monsters the whole time and uh <laughs> um they ripped the sleeves off my shirt and i'm like sweating from the dance floor. Like, i was dancing all night and uh it was just funny like the whole like if you've seen me you'd be like oh he is on a sick one right now but i was actually like i woke up <laughs> yeah, the next yeah. morning and drove home but uh it was just like such a good time and like that was the thing that was funny with mitch like if you were doing your job you're putting in the results he didn't care what you did as long as you put in the work got that bike on the podium he was happy so it was just it was good time i remember i remember yeah, well, mitch, i think that was sorry. kind of the I remember uh, Mitch no, always okay. told me, he says, he always told me, don't be doing none of the sneaking around shit with me. He says, if you're going to have a beer, have a beer with me. That's what he says. And I'll never forget that. It was <laughs> funny. So, uh, no, I had a lot of good times with Mitch. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of the thing about Mitch is like, he's a good old boy. Like mm -hmm. Mitch, Troy Lee. Like there's a bunch of those guys that are owning race teams and in that world where like they they know how to fuck like they've been there they've done it all before you know like you're not high you're not there's nothing that's new to them that they kind of haven't seen before you know yeah and i think yeah. that yeah that i think mitch was always like kind of that that guy where he mm -hmm. he got it because he sort of did it himself a bit you know right right yeah no he uh he definitely you know like when i first when i was an amateur and i got that pc right like i willingly w walked into his office myself and I remember sitting in his office and he's got this big gulp um, cup and he sips it and he's listening to me talk. And I said, hey, Mitch, like, I just wanted to come in here and let you know I really want to ride for you. And I'm so nervous. Like, I did not want to do this, but I knew this was something that needed to be, to be done because I was killing it all amateurs. I was winning everything in 09. And uh, I was like, I'll do whatever it takes to be on your team. You know, just give me the chance. And he grabs his cup and he puts it down and he just does this and then i'm like uh are you gonna say something and he's just like <laughs> staring at me i'm like i was like yeah so so pretty much that's that's just what i came to say and then he goes takes another sip 
hasn't said a word. Like it's so you can hear a, a, a pen drop in this room, and I am sweating profusely. I'm like, dude, is this fucking guy gonna say something? Like, and he just says, "All right, well, thanks for coming in." I'm just like, dude, I'm I'm walking out of there like, fuck, I don't even know how that went. Did that go good? Did that go bad? But the moral of the story was, I went in there right and. I told him yeah. that I really like writing for PC was my dream come true. Like I grew up watching RV, Townley, all those guys. I was like, that's the bike I want to be on. That's the team I want to be on. I had other offers from teams, but the PC era was like, remember back then it, they were just yeah, you were in it, bro. Yeah, they were they were annihilating everyone. So when I finally got that call, it was just like, oh my god, it was a dream come true. It was sick. I'll never forget signing that first contract, and it was pretty cool. Cool, cool uh, experience for sure, and yeah, dream come true. So it was cool. Did did he call you? Like when? So when you got the ride, he called you to tell you you had the ride. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, my agent Tony Gardia at the time. He I think called me and said I had the ride, but it was like up to me. It's between me and Ryan Marias. So it was kind of tough because I think Marias had a really good year in '09. So like, you know, then a rookie coming up, but um, I ended up getting it, but. The thing was, it it's so different now compared to how it was then. Like, when I signed my contract, I think it was almost November. I'm sweating it. I'm like, if I don't get this right, like, all the other rides I've been offered are pretty yeah. much gone. Yeah. I put all my eggs in that basket, and then I'm just, like, stressed. I'm like, am I going to get this right? And then I get in it. Now all the kids are, like, signed when they're on super minis and i don't know like that yeah the only guy i think that kind of had the early ride was uh barsha with geico um yeah. but other than that it was like i had to really work for that right and it kept me on my toes all the way to the you know better end so yeah a lot different now for sure that's probably one of the things that um like just i've never thought about it in that way but like when you explain that story it sort of seems like that was Mitch's way to like really get people like committed and like interested. And like you said, it kept you on your toes till the 12th hour. So it's just like, I need to be, but if you sign a deal at 14 with pro circuit, mm -hmm. it, you'd like think about what you miss in those years of yeah. like that, almost like the anxiety of like mm -hmm. needing to perform and the pro right. like, I'm sure that gets a lot out of a person than if you give them a ride at, at the younger age. I mean, there's probably like a pros and cons list that you could make where, you know, oh, you get more time on the bike, you get blah, blah, blah. blah. But there's got to be something about like hunger that you get. And like you said, all your eggs are in that one basket. And then I'm, when you got that ride, like you took it crazy serious. Oh yeah. No, I, uh, that was the thing. Like, oh nine, it was like, okay, this is the year. This is the year to uh, make this happen and try and get on Mitch's team. And and it was funny because you'd be at the tracks with his guys during the outdoors. And God, I hate when people do this to me. But I was that little annoying writer hopping in behind the PC guys. I'm like, I'm showing Mitch. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I can hang with these boys. And I used to do it behind Rattray all the time. And it was funny. Um, but yeah, it was like, dude, it kept me hungry. I, I knew myself. It's between me or Baggett, right? I had to beat Baggett. And that year I did, um, and it was just like, he didn't get the ride the first year like I did, but he got it the next year. So it was, uh, it was gnarly. Like, cause my whole journey to that time was insane. You know, I came from Scotland, uh, moved to Canada when I was nine, 
and that wasn't for racing that was for my dad's work and just a different way of living because my dad ran a kitchen and cabinet business in scotland so he uh it got my dad just was a worse and he'd be gone before um i would wake up and then he'd be back late at night so i never seen him things got a little tough on the family so they made a change to canada and they had the passports um so it was an easy move because he worked there previously so we moved to canada and then you know i started writing but i was writing in scotland as well but i was never that great we never the 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 goal was never to be like pro we just wrote for fun right but where i started really getting better was the winters were so cold in canada we would come to california and it started off with a couple weeks in the winter and then the next year it was a couple months and then i'm racing and it's like i'm really starting to uh you know get a lot better so once i just started getting better and better you know we took it more seriously and um where things changed is in 2006 Dave Gowland gave me my first team green ride and then from there you know yeah, I just moved right. up the ranks right it was like it was um eight fives and then super many and then schoolboy b class a class Mitch so it was like a, just a, a big stepping stone but I was never the winning guy so that always kept me hungry I was always working yeah. and I, I wasn't the fastest guy. Uh, um, yeah, so you were just saying that basically like the big sacrifice was your parents moving from Scotland to Canada? Yeah, the whole... Sa yeah, yeah, I mean, the big sacrifice was was really from Canada to America because when we moved, we moved to chase the dream, not knowing if it was going to work out or not, right? So it was a pretty big commitment and uh, thank God it worked out and... Uh, I got that PC contract, but it was uh, definitely, you know, a roll of the dice, not knowing if it was going to work. So, you know, obviously that's that's something where I have a lot of respect for my parents to do that for me. And um, yeah, it's pre pretty cool. Do you remember the feeling that you had as a kid knowing that that was the reason why your parents moved? Um, Yeah, I mean, I remember... We moved when I got that Team Green ride. Dave Gowland was a massive yeah. help to me. When I was an amateur, Dave Gowland, um, obviously me being part Canadian, he was just like, had my back hard and he was really high up at Kawasaki. So he helped me a lot. He he really got me on track to to where I am today. He, he gave me that bump start. He got me the Team Green ride, made sure I was looked after. But um, I remember when I was on 85s, I would literally blew so many of them up. And I'd always bring them to Cowie and they're just like so sick of me. Like I was so big on this thing, riding the wheels <laughs> off it. And it was like, they just kept blowing up. And uh, I remember they were just like, dude, we're sick of this kid. But yeah, Dave Gallon was a massive help. And I, he was the one that pushed me to ride on Mitch's team. He was the one that said, you know, would go in and talk to Mitch for me. And I had a lot of good people in my corner to help me make that happen. But I was also putting in the results. But Dave Gellin's someone that really steered me in the right direction when I was younger. And But do you remember, like, because I, I imagine that when you are a kid and you know, like, you got an older sister and you got, you know, like, your mom and your dad mm -hmm. and, like, everyone's kind of moving for you. Like, does that, did that ever, like, weigh on your mind as a kid? Because you're one of the guys yeah. that's, like, actually fairly fucking smart, too, right. in this whole in this whole game you know so i feel yeah. like you're someone that is pretty connected to your emotions and what's mm -hmm. actually kind of going on in that sense 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, good thing that I, I didn't really look at it. I was young, so I didn't really look at it like my whole family is literally banking on me making it kind of thing. You know, like they're, they're, they weren't banking on it, but we were just, they gave me the opportunity to follow my dream. And I, it didn't really register to like, the part that didn't register to me was if it didn't work out. And I think that's good. I mean, I was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. was working out for yeah. me. Like I'm making this shit happen. Right. And like, if anyone knows my dad, my dad didn't fuck around. Like he, he told me the way it was. I got smacked in the helmet a few times. <laughs> so so <laughs> like it was, uh, we, I'm glad I didn't know how much sacrifice my parents made because that would put pressure on me. Right. I never, yeah, I was, yeah. I always put pressure on myself to do well. And, um, yeah, done well enough to uh, make it happen. So if that didn't happen, I would for sure be, um, probably swinging a hammer with my dad and, you know, doing what he did. And uh, I'll tell you what, he's took me to the job site a few times and <laughs> got a lot of respect for those construction boys. Those are, that's just some hard graft right there. You know, you either make it racing or get a strong back to swing that hammer. <laughs> dude i just love andy so much oh uh, well my, so my, that's your old boy yeah so so my dad used to take me to the job site when i was younger right and when we go to these houses they were all just wooden f frames and whatever and my job was to uh sweep up the sawdust so he just gave me a lot of jobs and like i'd sweep the sawdust up and do that for him and then and then uh, like this is before phones and everything right so i'm at a job site like think how boring this is for me and yeah. he's like my, my dad was a grafter he he worked his ass off so i would sweep the sawdust and then he'd get there'd be a box of tiles and i had to unbox the tiles and and lay them out for him kind of prep work right and like dude lifting these tiles yeah. they were so heavy and like dude, my back was so blown out and it was like proper work and i'm just thinking like honestly in my head i'm like fuck this shit i am not doing this for a living <laughs> i am gonna ride the wheels off my bag so i don't have to do this because Fuck it. I'm telling you, just all those boys that do roofing, build houses, whatever. Eh, you guys are the, the real men, you know? Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I I definitely, it was good for me though, because after doing that, I'm like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. So my dad, uh, <laughs> he always took me though, and we would do it like I would help him, and then we'd go to the track afterwards and ride till dark. And, so yeah, my dad, uh, you know, he, he would uh, stay in work while I was an amateur and then my mom would drive the big motorhome in the trailer. And when I say big motorhome, don't think we had a big fancy motorhome. We were driving this motorhome to the races. Fucking roof was blowing off. Not even kidding. I'm like 14. <laughs> I look in the rear view mirror of the motorhome. Like it was me, my mom and my sister. And this roof is fucking like this. We had so many like stories had to go up on the roof like on the i-40 duct taped every piece of the, the roof <laughs> managed to get it to the race and then like the turbo going out and the motorhome we're going fucking 20 miles an hour up a hill my mom's stressing <laughs> the motorhome swapping like it was so gnarly the commitments they made like and uh there's a lot of amateur families out there that are the same but um, and my dad stayed to work and then he would fly into the race and my dad actually worked with Josh Grant's dad, Mike, they would work, um, you know, uh, you know, finishing carpenters or whatever they did. So they, he would just fly into the race and we would be all set up and then 
yeah, it was it was a grind. I'm telling you, it wasn't easy. So I think that builds that character, though. You know, that puts that chip on your shoulder, and and uh, it it was nothing was ever given to me. It was all earned. So um, I'm glad it was like that because it made me like like when I got that match right, it was like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything I can with this. So it was really cool. And I think that that shit helped you later in your career too, when you kind of. Oh, yeah like you know to fast forward a bit like yeah. when you lost the red bull ktm ride and then mm -hmm. you just went privateer again and it seems like that same spirit like that same amateur spirit and yeah. your mum and dad coming together for you like it's sort of if you didn't have that spirit that's probably game over but then look at the crazy like you almost had another career after that yeah really did just like yeah, so was obviously got the factory KTM ride, which was like the best 450 ride at the time. Blew my knee out both years. So that was devastating. And I felt a lot of pressure on factory KTM. I I, I don't know. I just, I, I that's when I first really started dealing with anxiety. And I didn't even know what anxiety was at the time. Yeah. I was just like, I felt pressure. I, I was unhappy. I blew my knee out both years. I'm... It was a rough couple of years. You know, you got people like Roger and Ian who's hired you to do a job and it was just, it was rough. So I didn't get rehired. And I remember being in Roger and Ian's office that day when they're pretty much letting me go. And it was like, it was, uh, it was rough. They had a sheet of paper and it was like, here's, you've done, I barely raced. I, I blew my knee out pretty early both years. And then it, it was rough. So they're like, here's your results. Here's how many races you did out of 29 races. You know, we're going to go a different direction. And I remember I was just, I was trying to hold it back. And I was, it was like, I was at a low point. I'm just, tears started running down my face. I'm like, I get it. I understand. Um, thank you. So that was it. So I remember from there, <laughs> uh, my agent, Tony Gardia at the time, we managed to, we talk, I went for a meeting with Keith McCarry at Yamaha because I said uh, I, I, I wanted to ride on the factory Yamaha team. You know, I was like, I don't even want a salary. Just why? Me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, because there was a spot, there's like a spot open there. There's something of somewhat available. And I remember going in for this meeting with Keith McCarry and he's calling me down the whole he doesn't even know my name he's calling me down the whole time <laughs> and like oh. i'm not i'm not gonna correct him right i'm just going i'm just going along what with a it. dog and then i remember uh, him saying to me fuck. he said well why don't you just be a test writer for us and dude i'm like 25 at the time i'm I felt like I just shot to the heart. Like, am I at the stage where I'm a test writer already? Like, I'm in this meeting because I want to write for your factory team. And I don't know, this meeting went so weird. It went so weird. I was just like, man, I'm coming in here to write for your factory Yamaha team. Like, he's like, well, let's just get you a few bikes and we'll get you on a contingency program. I'm like, holy fuck. This is, this is a long ways from factory Red Bull KTM, you know? I was like, all right, I got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So got a couple Yamahas and you know what? even though I wasn't on the factory team, like he actually looked after me well. He gave me a good bonus program for top tens. So I was on the Yamaha and Mitch was looking after me at the time and we had some really close friends helping. And so, yeah, but at that point it was like, I either could quit easily, just quit, forget it, start the next chapter in my life, or I could fight tooth and nail, which would be really hard to try and get myself back up there but I didn't quit because I felt like in my 
in myself, like I still had it in me. Like I was willing to do the work. I was yeah. willing to get back to where I needed to be. So, and I still trusted that I could do it. If, if you don't really believe you can do it, I, I don't know, but I believe I could. So I did three or four races on this Yamaha. And then this is when Purcell was, don't know what was going on with him in Supercross. And they were having some problems and he got let go. And I'm telling you, when Bobby Hewitt gave me this call, it was like the most gratifying feeling probably ever because it was, it was up there with the same with PC, but more of a reward. Like I busted my fucking chops yeah. to get back on my feet again. And then I got this factory Husky ride and it was for the full year. It wasn't like here, just do a few races it was for the full year. Yeah, yeah. And dude, I literally like was almost in tears. It was like, fuck, I'm back on a factory team again. And and the thing that was so funny, this is one thing I've learned in the sport is no matter how frustrated you are, it's such a small industry. You just got to sometimes just bite your tongue because after the factory yeah. KTM deal, I was very better. I was, I was upset. I was pissed, but I just, I bit my tongue and just did the work. Right. And then, so when Bobby Hewitt called me to write for the team, that has to get approved through Roger Ian and everyone. So essentially yeah, yeah. they kind of rehired me again you know so that's where i was like that was a lesson learned like instead of going out there bad mouthing blah 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 just shut up do the work and it comes back around so you know roger ian you know put me on the factory husky team i mean a big part of it was bobby hewitt and then man that was such a good year 2017 i was racking top tens and it just, it felt, I was just so happy. Like I, I'll, I've yeah. never been in, I haven't been in that, that place in a long time where I was happy because I, I really had to earn this one. And, um, I was getting top fives in supercross going to outdoors. I'm crushing it. Two top four overalls, first two races, get two podiums outdoors. I'm fucking back on the podium. You know, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like so emotionally, like, I'm like, I don't know. I just, it fucking felt so good because I had to earn it. And then boom, re-signed for the following year, 2018. And uh, I'll never forget 2017. It was just such a good year. Went to Marley Basin, podium to MX of Nations, uh, went to AusX, uh, won the first night, yeah. went to Paris, won the first, I might have won the first night there. Like I was on such a good roll and uh it was it was just so good. It, it was a really good feeling. I had to earn that one, so it it was cool. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the they're the ones that I guess like to just to start with like having that belief in yourself, mm -hmm. and that's kind of a I think that's kind of like a special and underrated thing as well is like sometimes and I mean this is especially in business like for me the podcast I can relate to this because when you say that you're going to do a podcast, everyone's like, oh yeah, sick. Like everyone's doing right. that. You know what I mean? But then when you think like you see something and then it's like what you said, you just shut your mouth and then you just do it over and over. And then after a while, other people start to like kind of see your vision. And I think it's actually like a pretty rewarding place to be mm -hmm. when you're the only one. I mean, you would have had Sarah and you would have had your parents that yeah. believed in the vision, but I don't know. There's something cool about being isolated in, in mm -hmm. a certain belief and then just like grinding for it. And then, yeah, I mean, dude, 
I remember being just so fucking happy for you when yeah. when you got that ride because, dude, Jeremy said something to me a few years ago that always stuck with me when Chad, it was actually between Chad and Cooper to get the Red Bull KTM ride. And, uh, and then Chad obviously didn't get it. And Jeremy's like, man, regardless of if you're a Chad Reed fan, it's way harder to make a new Chad Reed uh, than to keep the one that you've got. And I've, I like felt the same with you in that mm -hmm. sense, like not even on a personal level of like being a friend, but just for the sport, I was like, dude, this is the biggest loss to the sport right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, I mean, even like filming, uh, the boys were showing me clips of a Marvel, uh, this year. Mm -hmm. And it's like just the style that you've got and the flavor that you bring to the races. I was like, this is literally a tragedy if Dean Wilson does half a season on a privateer Yamaha yeah. and then we don't like see him anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think like everyone won when Bobby Hewitt gave yeah. you that ride. No, and, I have so yeah, much, it, so it, much it, respect for Bobby. Like dude, Bobby would go to bat for us so hard. Um, cause he always believed in us. He always believed in us. And, um, yeah, Bobby was, uh, really good. And like, also, what made that year so good was the team chemistry. Like, our, dude, I got on this team, and, and I think, uh, yeah, like yeah. I think I got on this team, and I felt like I could be myself again. Dude, we were we would talk the shit, we we would be laughing. The like we had scuba on there. Uh, Mohead was my mechanic. Like the whole yeah yeah. Like we just worked so good as a team. Like even ask Jason. Like 2017 was probably our funnest year, and Jason brought a lot of fun back into my racing too. Because the last, the two years before that, I was very serious and I was kind of got depressed and obviously I blew my knee at both years and, you know, I earned my way back on the Husky team and then me and Jason are riding together and, you know, we're, we're still like, after the races, sometimes we'll go out and have a few drinks and like, I'm like, damn, Jason's like... He's kind of like how I was, like he, he still likes to enjoy himself, but he's still, yeah. put, like, it's funny, like, I will talk to random people, just random people that don't know Jason. And like, they were like, oh man, Jason Anderson's getting drug tested. Like, you know, cause the whole team fried thing. Um, cause you know, at the races they drug yeah. test. And I'm like, dude, Jason is literally one of the hardest workers. Like he doesn't post about it. He doesn't talk about it. Dude, that dude puts in the work. Like when it comes to writing, training, you know, he may not love the training part, but like he, dude, he, I've seen him at the test track and like some of the things he does, like, and it's, I literally sound like a fanboy right now and he's my competition and stuff, but I learned a lot <laughs> riding with him. Like he, he really does some things on the practice track that like a lot of people don't do. And he doesn't, I swear if he raced all the time, like he practiced, he'd be so dominant. Like it's pretty phenomenal, really? but. That what sort year, of stuff is he doing different at the track? Oh, he's just so like efficient. He's, he's so efficient. He's so efficient. I learned so much. Like, like so while you're doing a main event, your legs get pretty burnt out, right? Like, especially for me because I'm tall. So when I go to, from standing to sitting, that's yeah. like a full squat, right? And yeah. think about it over the time. He, he He's almost like a really fast, lazy rider. So he's he's really efficient. Like, his heart rate stays low and he, he like, so he, I learned this from him. Like, he would come into the, if there's a, whoop section right out of a corner he would send it uh out of the corner and then he would shift going into the whoops but stay sitting down 
and then like just float across the whoops where I would come around and I would like yeah. set up and I'd be in a tall year already. I'd already be in third or fourth, you know, like, whoa, 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 whoa. he'd be in second, rip the corner, seat bounce into the whoops, grab his gear, third, and then just, there was just, it's like the little details he does that people that race and know what's going on, like can tell, but there's just these little details that Jason does. He's very efficient and like really good roll speed. Andy Corner is really good because he puts that ski out like never had a knee injury. Yeah, yeah. Away, but he he puts that ski out and yeah. just leans the bike. I can't do that with my knees. So uh, <laughs> I've learned a lot from him. And that year, 2017, like, dude, we had so much fun. It, we had a blast. Um, we worked really hard and, and had a good time as well. I think just the way that Ando carries himself too, like, and I think that's probably why... That's probably why, like, media dudes talked a lot of shit on him and, like, people in general didn't like him because he has, like, this cool guy attitude. Like, that's what it kind of... If you didn't know him, that's what you'd look and you'd see, like, oh, fuck, he just thinks he's, like, the coolest cunt in the world. But it's sort of not what it is. Like, he knows himself. Like, he yeah. knows himself. He knows his program. He's got his friends. Like, he doesn't need other people. He doesn't need people's approval. Like, he fully runs his own shit and he and i think that comes from like really knowing who he is mm -hmm. i think that rubs a lot of people the wrong way but like he's just got a way that he goes about his business and that either clicks with a team or that doesn't click with a team mm -hmm. and i think that that was kind of the beauty of bobby hewitt is bobby knew him for so long and yeah. i think like i think when you know somebody from when they were a young kid you can see the influences and you yeah. can see why they are a certain way so it was almost like they just let him be him and then as soon as bobby hewitt's out of that program you see a completely different guy because mm -hmm. it's obvious that there was like no understanding and they were there was like a friction of like how he operates and i'm assuming that they probably thought like oh this guy just fucking thinks he's you know yeah. got it all figured out and like because he's not showing the work because he's not talking about it yeah and then that friction happens and then you just see a completely different dude on the track and then he goes to cowie and i'm assuming that by the time he gets to cowie it's like a take it or leave it like this is who i am yeah this is how i'm gonna fucking be mm -hmm. you know what I mean? and then they're like cool dude you do whatever and then he has some early success and then the team's like all right fuck maybe we just keep doing this so yeah i think that when when a guy feels fully comfortable to just like do shit the way that they want to do it if the results are there like that's when you get the best out of a person yeah no for sure i totally agree um no jason definitely he beats his own drum you know, like, and Jason's just his own person. <laughs> yeah. Like, there'll be times where I literally won't talk to Jason for a couple months at a time. And then I'll, then like, I'll talk to him. But I just know that's how he is. And he, dude, he can be an asshole to some of the media people. But that's just how he is. And I, I respect anyone that's just themselves, right? So, um, no, nah, he's, he, he's a good lad. And um, it's pretty cool that he's having a baby as well. So, uh yeah we got some dads out there on the super the whole damn 450 class is almost like a dad army out there so it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah i was actually i was gonna we sort of segued but i was gonna say before you probably got a new respect for your parents since you had your baby as well like i'm sure that there's just a whole like flood of emotion and like i guess like mental shit that you're going through like holy fuck like when you actually uh, get your kid i mean 
the sac like you think now having a child like the sacrifice that your parents made for you when you were a, a kid you know oh no for sure it's uh it's pretty cool being a dad I, i've i didn't know what to expect Every, everyone's telling you like their input like oh it's the best feeling ever and it is really cool like i just can't wait to go see the little guy and uh I have a lot of respect for my parents, obviously, but like I have a lot of respect for these women as well. They like to put their bodies through yeah. that and like that whole that whole deal is gnarly, you know what I mean? And it's funny just like I'm holding the baby, right? And like I'm still learning every day and he'll be like breathing and then like he won't breathe for like twenty seconds. I'm like like is he okay? And then he just starts breathing again. I'm like, fuck. So like really the first, the first, Tommy told me like, Hey, the first year, just keep him alive. I'm like, all right, hey, job done. So, uh, nah, it's really cool. But like you're bringing a human into the earth. Right. So it's like this little kid doesn't know anything or it's, it's pretty cool. It's really cool. And, and, uh, I really, really wanted a boy. Obviously I was fine with the girl, but like I had my eyes set. I was having this boy. Right. And then when we had the boy, did you see the gender reveal? Oh, I probably did. Remind me what it was. Okay. So the correct term is to call them little people, but we had little people wrestling for the gender and, uh, the girl, <laughs> like it's on YouTube. The girl, uh, had the boy pinned down and like had him in a lock and Jay Dungey was a referee. And, uh, you know, we had like all our friends there and, and, uh, he goes one, two. And then the boy like pops out. I'm like, Oh, about to give me a heart attack. And then like vice versa happened. They had a couple rounds and then the boy ended up winning. And I was just like, yes. Like I was so stoked, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I was Dude, cool. That's, it was cool. That's so sick. <laughs> yeah. It was a good time. So I don't know. Being a dad, it's like, it's cool just to like after writing, go home and see him. And Sarah's like such a good mom. She, uh, she 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 does most of everything with them um obviously i mean i do have some tits right now because of the off season but they'll be gone soon so i don't really got nothing from the suck right now you know what i mean but uh no he's uh it's cool just to go home and, and in the morning she like lays him next to me in the bed and i'm having my coffee with him it's it's the coolest feeling dude uh, yeah i mean it's so sick it's so cool to yeah to see and i think i think you got lucky in a sense as well with like finding a real good chick early on in in your life like you guys have been together for a long time and like she's a fucking cool cool person so i mean yeah. even you know like all the stuff that we've you know like we talked about even now mm -hmm. like she's had a pretty massive like role in that and i imagine that you know all the ups and downs like 2015 2016 mm -hmm. um you know like going through all that having someone like her there as well must have been pretty pretty cool to the whole yeah deal. no for sure she uh she's been my rock and kept me uh yeah kept kept me on the straight and narrow uh yeah she's i mean pretty much she has two kids now because she was you know i was the first baby and now <laughs> yeah. she's got the real baby yeah. but she just like likes to make sure i'm dialed and take care of me and and honestly like i don't even know where my career would be without sarah because Anyone that knows me knows I love to have a good time and, you know, I, you know, being from the UK and, you know, we, we like to have a good time. So who knows? I, I could have spiraled out of control easily and just being a party boy probably, you know, um, but she kept me on the straight and now she's, she's like the best. So I was very, very, very lucky to have her and, uh, yeah, she's always just there to support me and love me. 
she's good. <laughs> are you going to go full moto, Dad? Like, are you in that? Have you had those thoughts yet? Or? I don't know. Like, like <sighs> that's a hard question because I know what it takes to be successful and it's all, you know, it's a lot of work and it depends what kind of kid he is. Is he going to be a gritty little bastard or is he going to be like, well, little pussy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah, know. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> I don't know, like, of course, I'd like to, it'd be cool to have him ride and race and stuff, um, but it's also like, damn, the injuries are gnarly, it's scary, like, yeah. but that's just a rescue take riding a bike, you know, you can't really think of it, I just know what I've went through, and I'm just like, oh, man, I really hate to go through that same thing with him, but at the same time, maybe we'll just get him into some wrestling, you know, a little bit taekwondo you know get a little next conor mcgregor you know what i mean pops is up get in the little. stand slamming some beers watching him in the octagon that would be cool as well so who knows like it's you can't like i don't know you, you can't really predict it but we'll see how he is but whatever it is um i'll make sure he's that polite well-mannered kid um i just feel like kids these days they just like a lot of them just don't have manners or like just I guess I'm almost like brought up old school, but my mom and dad, like, yeah, yeah they were yeah. so hard on me with manners and like, you know, just the general, like open a door for your elders, all that crap. Like, I just feel like the generation now is a bit, it's a lot different and my kid's going to be disciplined for sure. Yeah. I think it's hard. I, I think about it all the time because all of the shit that made me who I am today and I'd say like any of the successes that I've had in my life have all been from shit that at one point I literally fucking hated my father for exactly exactly <laughs> like, Couldn't all have said this it shit. so it's like what's the balance between being an absolute piece of shit kid in their eyes in mm -hmm. the moment mm -hmm. to then them figuring out at like 28 oh fuck my dad was right about all that shit yeah no my dad literally ah oh man all the stuff my dad says makes a lot more sense now like i always even remember when he says oh wait till you get my age and whatever and fuck i'm telling you like i'm 30 almost 31 but i'm just like fuck my body's feeling like 52 right now so oh, i'm just like i don't know just those old sayings that he you know he used to always say like damn he was right you know so it's funny but <laughs> yeah. when you're a kid you're like fuck what my dad has to say <laughs> but <laughs> i would not be the man i am today without my dad my dad was fucking he was pretty hard on me and uh so it made me tough you know what i mean like it's funny because yeah. i think i spoke to this um about this to you before but like people always try to talk shit to me and whatever you're right like that's part of the deal the trolls on instagram and that but they're forgetting I had Andy Wilson as a dad talking shit to me my whole life. So you better be coming at me with some good <laughs> yeah. shit to, to really get under my skin. You know what I mean? So. Oh, dude. 100%. Like, we had all these just dumb fucking rules that we had to live by. Like, when we went fishing, because we used to go fishing heaps as a kid. And from when I was like seven years old, the rule had to be that if you went on the boat, you had to drink a beer. Like, you couldn't be on the boat and fit and i'm like a fucking seven-year-old kid and by the end of this like I, I remember just getting off the boat 
every time we'd been fishing all day and this one beer has just been in the fucking sun the entire day because like i don't want to drink a beer as a seven-year-old kid and it was all like in the moment you're just looking at it like you're such an idiot like what what's this for you know oh but like God. i look back on even even those things and i'm like it's pretty it's pretty cool like the things that it teaches you and like, it sort of brings you into you know like what's going on i think that there's there's so much like about when we grew up too where you know like you said you didn't have a phone when you were mm -hmm. like working at your old boys so you mm -hmm. kind of like had to be amongst the crew like mm -hmm. there's a point where you're just in the group and i reckon that's what's kind of missing nowadays is that when people are in a group they can kind of be in their own world and like yeah. just fully do their their own thing and like i think about a lot of the ways that i grew up was just like you you were with your dad and his mates and there was no phone and you had to be a part of the conversation you had to like be kind of in it and yeah i feel like nowadays even just simple things like that's gone like you can just exist in your own little yeah. in your yeah. own little world you know oh yeah it's so different now like i remember when i get in a get in trouble and i get sent to my room like <laughs> you ever seen those memes like with 90s kids like you know the door stopper i would just lay there and go doing <laughs> Doing for fucking hours. <laughs> you know the thing that springs? I would do that for hours. Just doing. That was my fucking entertainment. And now the kids are just, oh, I'm going to grab my iPad, fucking play Mad Skills. You know, I had yeah, that yeah. door stopper doing for hours. So, <laughs> like, it's just different. And I remember I'd be at the job site with my dad, and like, I'd be so bored. Like, after I did what I had to do, like, I'd just be like walking on like pieces of plywood like balancing and like doing like little yeah, shit yeah, like that yeah, like yeah, i was yeah. so bored and like i'd maybe put it up tall and like some gymnastic shit i was just so bored so it was funny like it's just so different now and and uh it's funny yeah it's just it, but it's one of those things where like i'm sure i don't know what it is maybe it's like a generational thing where like i feel like i wouldn't want to watch my kids suffer but I feel like my dad did a lot of yeah. making me suffer <laughs> and then yeah. watching me suffer. So it's like, how do you fucking have that balance? Like when you, you obviously don't want to see your kid go through that, but like, I don't know, maybe they just knew more than, more than we did. And yeah, they maybe, have I don't to, know I think kind of they have wrong. to suffer. Uh, they have to suffer. That's what builds character and makes them tough and toughens up their skin. You know what I mean? Like, I think he's, I mean, like, I suffer every day almost, you know, like not every day, but like today, I haven't mentioned this, but Davey Millsaps is working with me right now and I had to do a 20 lapper and dude, I haven't done a 20 lapper. I did one at Melbourne Supercross, which I wasn't near ready for. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to do those things that you don't want to do to take those steps forward. You know what I mean? So like now yeah. that I've done a 20, the next one's going to be easier than the next one after that's going to be easier. But like you gotta like suffer to progress forward like that's just that's just part of it i feel like you know dude that's that's a big thing of like just success in life in general like i'm about to move and i don't want to fucking move like i love yeah. my life here yeah. i love all the shit that i got going mm -hmm. on i got this routine and it's like i'm literally flying tomorrow not wanting to go but i'm like i just mm. need to fucking suffer through this like yeah. i feel like there's another level out there i feel yeah. like there's another place that i could get to yeah and it just takes a fucking grind and it's funny when you said before that um you still felt like you had it in you to like do the work and to mm -hmm. like, i was talking to i was actually talking to jay reinenberg about it and um 
Like that's literally what I said to him. I was like, man, honestly, I just feel like I've got a level of uncomfortability in me that I can bear for like another few years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'm down mm -hmm. to just fucking struggle for a few more years before yeah. I maybe cruise a tiny bit. Yeah. And that's what like you just can't have it. Nowadays, it feels like you almost can't have anything good without dealing with, like, so much fucking suffering mm -hmm. <laughs> before the, the good thing happens. Well, I think that was, like... And that's when a moto career. Yeah, no, like, I think that goes back to when, in 2017, when I told that whole story, like, I suffered so much to get to that point, to get back on a factory team. Like, that's why it was so rewarding, right? But it's just, like, I was, you know, listening to Joe Rogan here and there and he says the same thing like you gotta suffer and do the shit you don't want to do to move forward and it's 100 percent it's true 100 percent. you know so what was uh what was the whole like when bobby did leave the team like that the, the vibe changed like you obviously stayed there for yeah. a little bit after like what was that whole deal to go through like obviously it was pretty bad on on ando but i mean it seems like the team really it kind of yeah, yeah it's tough did, like it did a dive for a bit so this whole thing is tough like this talking the the, the corporation side of things makes things so tough like i wish i could just go full explicit on that whole <laughs> deal but at the same time roger and ian have helped me out so much in my career too they've been there for me yeah but bobby yeah, was yeah. really the backbone bobby really stood up for his writers and sometimes with disagree what they had to say um and it's not my place to talk because i don't want to ruffle feathers and i just feel like it's so easy to ruffle feathers and that's what sucks like yeah, in yeah, the sport fair. like all these writers always have to hold their tongues and stuff which i get it because you want to keep your job and but i feel like um a big part of that was when jason left baker's factory and that really pissed yeah. off the all the other you know roger and Ian, all them i think that in austria like they were not happy about that um and then i think i i don't know the full story so i don't want to talk out of context but i think bobby yeah, no, that's that's fair that's fair. i think bobby had jason's back and they didn't like that and then the whole deal just got weird and uh yeah the team was definitely different um without bobby like me and jason love to fuck with bobby so much listen to this <laughs> He was having this meeting, right? And he's having this meeting <laughs> in the lounge. So I put uh, one of the little sound system things. What do you call them? Little boombox. Oh, like a Bluetooth speaker. Little deal. Bluetooth yeah, speaker. Yeah, yeah. And I hit it, right? So he's having this meeting with some sponsors. And me and Jason are up on the lounge <laughs> getting changed. And then I just start playing porn as loud as I can in the middle of this meeting. He's all, who the fuck's playing that? <laughs> me and Jason are crying, hysterical. Like, it wasn't a serious meeting, but like, I think it was like, and it was just like, yeah, daddy. <laughs> and we were fucking crying. And just like shit like that. And Bobby could take it. Like, he'd be like, you stupid motherfuckers, all this. And we're just laughing. And like, Bobby was just... He was awesome, and yeah, we we definitely missed him when he when he was gone. Um, but then Scuba took his. I think Scuba ended up really replacing him, and Scuba was really good. Um, I really enjoyed working with Scuba. I still have a really good relationship with him. Um, he always had my back really hard, and um, 
Yeah, he he was really good. Yeah, I think the the thing like yeah, Scuba's a G one hundred percent, and Nate Ramsey as well G. But you don't if you don't have ownership in the team, you can't push back. So I think that that's probably it's not like the it. I guess it went from Bobby and the vibe was the way it was and then it went to Scuba and the vibe was different because it was Scuba. Mm-hmm. It's not that it was Scuba, it was that Scuba doesn't own the team in the way that Bobby right. had like a level yeah. of ownership. So I think yeah. it's the ownership that fucks with it. Right. It, it, it's, it just gets very political and corporate and I, it's like, same, like I said, I get it because KTM Husky Gas Gas, like it's a big corporation, blah, blah, blah. But um, same thing, Scuba really had our backs and he, he always was there trying to rehire me and this and that. And um, yeah, and then I remember when last year when we we're at Anaheim, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be leaving. I'm like, what? You're? I was like shocked. And it was just, it was, it was gnarly. So then they got Nate Ramsey, who Nate was really cool. I enjoyed working with Nate, but I definitely noticed the difference once scuba left the team was not the same um i feel like nate kind of said and did more you know if 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 roger and ian told nate something it'd be yes sir it wouldn't be ah i don't know if that you know and i yeah yeah there was just uh the vibe changed a lot um and I, i think nate did a great job but it you could tell that like i just feel like he he kind of did what he was told (laughs) yeah yeah what do you think about the whole baker's factory marriage to the ktm group now because like even uh not to speak on too many people's whatevers but big rift was caused when ando didn't want to be there cooper webb went through the exact same thing and it's just like there's been some legitimate superstars in the sport like champions Mm -hmm. of the sport that are like basically held hostage to a farm (laughs) in florida and like full disclosure i love alden like of all of all the times like i don't have a bad word to say about him as a person so it's not in any way that but if you look like when you zoom out and you see that like one farm in florida has caused so much like drama within the series and it's always like these champions of the sport it's not like fucking bums that are saying they don't want to go somewhere you know what i mean it's like the legitimately the top dogs in the sport like do you is it does it like blow your mind in a sense like how much shit has like been caused around people like either being there or not being there yeah it's that that subject gets real touchy you know because i was there when jason left left uh alden and how much of a shit storm that caused like he literally i think he almost got fired and obviously bobby whatever happened with that pretty much got fired (laughs) so when i heard cooper was leaving i was like i was like "Mm, i i seen (laughs) this ain't gonna be good this ain't good yeah and you know and uh it didn't last long he ended up being back but alden's always been really good to me um i've been there for the past few years um had brownie i worked with who i love to work with and brownie's such a good guy and i enjoyed it being there but so it it gets touchy right because so ktm husky not gas gas but ktm husky they 
uh, hire Alden to be the main trainer, right? So yeah. they're spending a yeah. lot of money for that. So when you sign your contract, it says you have to train with, with at the baker's factory. So I think just they get frustrated when someone wants to leave, you know, and try something different because I think for one, they've seen other writers do that and it didn't pan out that well for one. But two, I think, um, you know, it's as a writer, you're always kind of, the, the Baker program is very repetitive. It's a lot of the same stuff every week. Like I, I could do with, I know exactly what the program is like, and it just, sometimes you want something fresh, you know, you want to, you want something to excite you and something yeah. fresh. And I just think that that's what Jason might have wanted. That's what Cooper might have wanted. And, uh, but the, the brand pay for Alden, for you to be under Alden's wing. And that's where they keep the bikes. They know the bikes are safe. Um, the, you know, they know they're going to be in shape. They know they're doing the work. Like every single lap time gets written down at Alden's. So they really can monitor you completely on what you're yeah. doing. Like they can see what you did on Monday. They can pull up your heart rates from your gym, from your cycle in the morning, from your whatever. They can see everything you're doing. So I think they like knowing that, okay, he's not out fucking around. Like he's putting in the work, but sometimes just because you're putting in the yeah. work doesn't mean the results are going to come. Sometimes you need to try different stuff, but... Alden's been really good to me. Uh, I, I enjoyed it there, but uh, you know, I definitely um, it was very repetitive. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's the same. It's not a. There's nothing from me that's like in any way negative to Alden. Like the dude's a G, and as far as like banter goes, like he's a guy that can talk shit. Like he's a fun, like at least in my capacity, like he was a very fun person to hang yeah. out with. Uh, but I mean, it, it's crazy when you think about like the arc of the sport. You go from like Jeremy McGrath to Jeff Emig, and then you go Ricky Carmichael, and then Ricky Carmichael, Alden Baker, and then it's just Alden Baker. Like the the whole sport from when he first started working with Ricky, like every, so many like top tier decisions, massive decisions of teams and riders and guys getting fired. It all stems off like either fitting in there or not fitting in there. Mm -hmm. You just wonder like, is that the best way for the sport to to go to where a rider like a top tier rider is just you could literally have roger log in from california and yeah. check a rider's lap time every yeah. seat like is that even like is that where we want to be is that like the best place to be is that do we need to like error correct for this now and give guys like a bit more autonomy to like because it's like it's your career you know mm -hmm. what i mean it's like it's your th there's arguments on both sides really yeah, yeah. Uh, there is for sure and uh yeah sometimes just people want something different you know i when i was really successful i always like to write a lot and really work on my writing and work on my you know my faults and try to correct them and that's where how i would get better because i had to work really hard on my techniques to go fast and that's what worked for me so i feel like at aldens you would do your motos and then you're done there is no like when yeah, I, yeah. I, I just go back to PC days, like we would ride till dark. And at the end of the day, you're trying to go the fast as you can on your motorcycle, but you also want to be strong and be able to whatever. But PC days, it was like, dude, we would test and ride and ride and ride 
try and get the bike better and um, just grind all the time and try different stuff. And it, when, I, when I was at Baker's, it was like if I was struggling with something, I didn't really get to work on that specific thing. And that's where like I felt yeah. a little bit bad for Jalik last year because he was really struggling in the whoops. And um, I would try and help him a bit, but you also... Alden really wanted him to get his motos in, which understandable, but oh, the whoops were killing him. Like he could hit the corners so fast, could do the rhythms, but the whoops, he's losing like a second or two in the whoops. And I just, um, yeah, Brown, yeah. Brownie and myself would try and help him, but he almost needed like screw motos off and just do two weeks of whoops or something like that. Right. But, um, yeah, I yeah. don't know, just little things like that, but nothing but respect for, for those guys like everyone has their own program and that's just how the program runs you you go to baker's factory like when i went there i did as i told and that was it i never argued i knew that was the program obviously i'm an older guy now so um it was tough work especially in the summers like it was dude like i'd be pretty f i wouldn't be fat but i'd be coming back from injury like this year you know coming back and some of the gnarliest motos like in the heat and then it just Alden's just a tough bastard, like, with, like, <laughs> and same as Brownie. Brownie's a complete savage. So, there's just the days where your your body has nothing left in it. You've done all your motos and stuff like that, and then, you know, you got to go to the gym, and then Brownie will put you through the ringer in the gym, like some gnarly. I don't know. I always struggled with gym. It, like it was hard for me. So it was just, and then I remember times where I would be like, extremely sick or. You literally need to have a broken arm to not ride at Alden's. <laughs> he will make you ride no matter what. So literally, it will make it will make you fucking tough. I'll give you that. Like it, it he. There's no excuses there. Like he's, he's uh, no bullshit for sure. Yeah, I wonder whether there's like a diminishing returns of doing a moto when you're like that fucking cooked. But I know that there's times where I train and I'm like. I'm like scared to do the next role because like I just feel like I could get fucked up by a kid like I'm that tired yeah. and I, you've just got nothing left but I feel like there's times where like they can be some of your best like roles in a sense where right. you've just got nothing but you just figure yeah, out how to make something yeah, happen you're elevating yourself and it's like in the yeah do you feel like that's a kind of a real thing like and that's sort of is there like utility in doing training when you're that fucked or is there a point where you just need to rest? I think both. I think both. I think sometimes, I mean, you want to take yourself to that next level and that's what you do in the off season. You train in the off season's boot camp. You, you, there's no excuses. You do the work, right? But it's during the week and throughout the season when you're starting to really feel it and you're starting to feel cooked. It just it does the, the program doesn't really slow down so it gets it, that's where it gets really tough and then you don't want to be the whiny or the guy complaining yeah that, hey like i'm feeling pretty tired and cooked today like should we should we back her down or not or you know you don't want to be that guy so you keep going then you kind of dig yourself into a hole so i don't know alden's got his own philosophy um everyone's got their own philosophy and Hey, I'm very grateful for my time there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think? I, I like. Where are we at in terms of 
doing so many races and the level like because it's one thought that i had with hill and i've spoke about it before but the whole world supercross thing it's kind of like the opposite of the ama in the sense that like you can't just get on a flight be back at the baker's factory on monday and be grinding until thursday and then get on a flight race saturday get on a flight back monday like you can't you can't do it because you fly in you'll get in on a monday you've got media like there's no tracks around you can't essentially you just can't do the same grind like but does it feel different as a rider like do you think that you need to be on the track four days in a row before because it's really the only professional like racing sport where you guys are exposed to the risk just every Mm -hmm. single day and i mean i think about i think about like to say that i was scared to roll when i'm like that tired it's like literally there's zero fucking consequences like i might tweak my knee or what you know like zero consequences compared to 100 degrees in florida rough as fuck sand track completely like the risk just goes up to just an insane level so it's like are we at and and then people want to comment and be like oh you got the fucking dream job it's like all right whoa 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 there's probably a point where we need to be semi-sensible about these guys' fucking health because this doesn't seem like the smartest move. And I've just, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to come across as like a negative or like I'm always trying to find like holes in the sport and complain about what's wrong. But there's like, I feel like there's a few things that I'm willing to kind of go in on and look like a bit of a dickhead mm-hmm. if like it gets people thinking about like, the bigger picture of the sport and like the your career in a sense you know yeah no it's that's the thing like people that are in the industry that go to the races and they know what's going on they understand that factor but some of the casual fans that like dude like the sport's so dangerous as is and then throughout the week you know you're riding two or three times a week racing on the weekend like you're right that is so much risk you know so i that's where like as i get older like i don't need to be riding three days a week anymore you know obviously right now i'm riding four days a week it's off season but um when it comes race time like that's where like more gp like they don't even ride during the week they ride dirt bikes during the week and then they race you know so fun yeah yeah for fun and like it's just the it's a that's where i the, me as a racer, I have so much respect for all these guys because I know what it takes. I know how dangerous it is. I know how much you got to be in shape. There's so much that goes into it. And like we bust our ass during the week. Then we're flying Friday. We race Saturday. We get to bed at 12 or 1 after the race. 6 a.m. flight Sunday morning. Get home. Finally lay down in bed. Chill for a bit. And even like on Sundays, Alden would still make us do like a 25 or 30 minute spin. So you're like completely fucking tired. You do that. Monday comes around back on the track and um, it's gnarly. So I have a lot of respect for all these guys because I, I know what it takes and it's a fucking grind. So um, I just wish like some of the casual fans could really understand that, you know. Where do you think like where what would be ideal do you think like have you ever thought about ways to make it like better in that sense because the 
it, it makes sense like if you logically follow the steps of how it went and like rick it was ricky ricky changed yeah. everything and then everyone once everyone knew what they were doing then everyone started doing it and then there's like it's just it's that's the nature of of competition but i mean you look at like formula one that's why you just can't test a formula one car because then you get the team with the most money that would make the best car and it sort of happens as it is anyway right. but it's like they've put some rules around it but Dude, Supercross, you can't do that shit because nah. anyone can just go out in Florida, buy a block of land, make a Supercross track, and you just fucking grind it out, and then you go to A1 and you win. Yeah. So uh, have you ever thought about, like, is there any ways that you can make it better? As in slowing it down a little bit? Do you mean like that? Yeah, like, just to take that that risk out of it and, I guess, yeah, like, slow down. But, I mean, you're probably just not going to be able to stop dudes from going that. No, like, there's always going to yeah, be a guy that, that wants to go. Yeah, I don't see that ever happening. Yeah, I don't see that ever happening. Just not in our sport, you know. There's just it, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. It's just it's it's just kind of going to go the way it is right now, you know. Because um, riding and training during the week is like such a big important part for the race as well, you know, like. You could be having a shit season and you're like working your ass off in the middle of the rounds trying to just gain that little extra to try and yeah, get better results, yeah. you know? So it's, yeah, that will never, that, that part will always be part of our sport where we, you know, ride that much during the week and whatever. And it's, uh, I don't think that part will change. Is it just, is it too many races then, do you think? Like, what what would be the thing that would, like, as a rider, like, make it easier to manage? Right. And Because I think it'd probably give people, like, longer careers and shit yeah. like that. Because, dude, what other sport do you see guys retiring at 26, 27? Yeah. And then yeah. just being, like, done. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean. I don't know. I mean, I think we just need more of an off-season. But, you know, we don't really... We have a small off-season. But during that off-season we're in boot camp training so um there's so many races right you got 17 supercrosses or 18 and then you got 12 outdoors and then you got uh the world supercross paris supercross um now we got this super motocross uh there's so many races like i don't know how it will ever just be like i don't know 20 I don't know. It's it's seriously so hard to say. Like, I don't know how they're going to change it. But um, I just like, this is where I give a guy like Justin Brayton so much respect. He figured it out. He said, yeah, hey, yeah. I, I'm, outdoors ain't for me. I'm going to do Supercross only. I'm going to do all these off-season races. I'm going to go race in Australia and make as much. He's making more money than guys are grinding their ass off during the summer and outdoors. He was just smart and thought ahead. Yeah. Had a good program. Had a plan. And dude, he's kept his body intact. He's been, he's in good shape. He just podiumed at Paris, like at 38 years yeah. old. Like, dude, I, I actually like low key, like I look up to Brayton, like the way he's done it, he's put yeah. family on his food's table. Um, wait, I just, <laughs> I just said that backwards. He put food on, <laughs> he put food, he's putting food on his family's table, making good money. He figured the system out. You know, he was smart. He's like, I'm not going to grind out outdoors and not make what I should be, you know, like if my results aren't there, you know, so he's, he's smart. I kind of like look up to like, that's kind of where my thought process is now. Like I'm going to do super cross only 
going to do the World Supercross, the Australia Supercross, and just enjoy it. Like, I want to have fun and be on a good program, a good bike, and, and see where that takes me, you know? Um, you know, not that my programs or anything were bad before, but just, you know, at the age I'm at with having a kid and my knee being a bit dodgy, like, I want to just enjoy it and not always just be, like, feel the pressure or a ball the nerves all the time, like, because I, I always struggle yeah. really bad with anxiety and that destroys me when i'm racing like i'll be sitting on the start line and i'll just be like i don't know i just i sometimes i just can't it's like i feel all this pressure on me and like i put pressure on myself for absolutely no reason i always put pressure on myself to do well and it just totally spins me backwards and i do worse and it's like when yeah. i'm loosey-goosey having fun riding good total clear mind on the start line that is the best you know you'll get on the track but like anxiety just kicks in for me sometimes and just destroys me and so i need to really that's something that's hindered my my career a lot is dealing with anxiety and trying to get rid of it and i've went to some people to see you know some sports psychologists and stuff like that and it didn't really work so um i don't know that that, that that's been tough on me though when did that um Dude, I, I, I'd love to, like, give you some, like, books or audio books and stuff mm -hmm. to read that have helped me with that shit. Like, dude, actually, Brayton, uh, there's a book that he recommended. It's called Self... Oh, fuck, I don't know where it is. Uh, it's called Self-Coaching, and it's, like, a guy... It's, like, a book that Brayton literally has in his bag at all times, and he spoke about it on the podcast, and um, I ended up, I ended up getting it. I was the guy that said anxiety was wasn't real for like the mm -hmm. longest time. I I've had like arguments with Wes's chick <laughs> because she would always say like she had really bad anxiety, and I was just like, it's fucking not real, bro. Like it's all in your head. Mm -hmm. Like literally, mm -hmm. that was like a hill that I was fucking had a flag in that I was gonna yeah. die on. Yeah. And uh, and then yeah, like no, nah, it turns out I was completely wrong <laughs> for like a really long time. Yeah, it kicks in. It's it's gnarly. Like. If you've never, some people like don't really have it and they're like, I don't know what you're moaning about. But like for me, let, I could be like uh, Australia, fastest qualifier, fastest guy on the track. But somehow I'm still telling myself, like, I'm putting negative thoughts in my head. Somehow I'm telling myself that, ah, I was just, it was a good lap, but you know, maybe those guys had bad laps or. You know, I like, I t I'm talking to myself <laughs> yeah. negatively and putting these bad thoughts and I can't even like, I'm trying and then it's like, okay, no, think positive, think positive. And then like, you're just, I don't know, dude, it, it's crazy. I'd be on the start line, like talking myself, like I'm the fastest guy there, but I'm so somehow just talking myself into not winning. Like I, it's hard, it's hard to explain, but it's just these bad thoughts and and being negative and stuff in my head like everyone sees me like oh you're such a positive person which i am but these anxiety kicks in and like i can i feel like i never give myself credit you know people will be like oh good job out there and i'll be like nah fuck like i can be better than that or instead of just being like oh thank you like because i know inside though that i can be better but i just always i'm a little bit negative towards myself because i always expect you know the best out of myself and I don't know, it's just a hurl that I've always kind of battled with. It's like, it's just, I, I literally could be two seconds a lot faster than anyone and then still think that I'm not good enough and then just put these bad thoughts in my head, you know? I think it's a little bit of culture too, though, um, because like Australia is pretty similar to the UK 
in that sense of like the tall poppy syndrome. And I mean, I remember, I remember growing up and we used to do the, this, like the craziest shit. We'd go camping, we'd be shooting pigs, we'd be like, yeah, drinking beers in fucking boats. And then I'd go to school and I'd tell the kids like, oh, this is what I did all school holidays, riding motorbikes. Like I got fucking stitches in my face because I rode through a barbed wire fence. But, and they're all like bullshit. And it, you'd just be like, oh, oh, fuck. Like, and like everyone would just literally like do, do their best to like cut you down. Mm-hmm. And then that fully just changed. I remember being changed from that as a kid. I never wanted to tell a story. I never wanted to say that I did something good. I, like you kind of start talking bad on yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's some sort of culture where it's like, it's banter, mm-hmm. but there's also a bit of truth to it. And I think sometimes in the way that we grew up, like our culture and our age, there was a little bit of that, like you could never be too, too good or you could never say you did something good. And right. I think that, it's like it's good in a sense yeah but there's a point where like it it starts to influence your own story and even nowadays like i try and be i try and be real careful around people of like talking shit on them even though it's like the most fun thing to do like with your boys yeah but there's i feel like there's some stuff you have to be like kind of careful of because it can influence like the story and then like even like ricardo i noticed with him like he's the guy that's got everything he's like formula one driver and he's like good looking dude and he's like you know he's a superstar and mm-hmm. you give him a compliment and he almost straight away it's like he feels like he's got too much already or something so then he yeah. like pulls back he's like no 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 yeah and yeah. i think that it's an endearing it's an like an endearing thing to do because you want to take a bit of that heat off yourself you don't want to yeah. you don't want to come across as like oh i'm fucking awesome yeah but then i think that there's a real fine line between it affecting your internal mm-hmm. narrative and it sounds mm-hmm. like that's a little bit of what you got going on no you know? exactly exactly because there's guys out there that aren't that good <laughs> but yeah. i need what i need their i need what they have like they they convince themselves i'm the fucking man and they go out there and they crush yeah. it because they could be three seconds off the pace. But then when it comes to race time, they convince themselves and they really believe that they fucking can win. And they don't win, but they're battling top five. Like, dude, big topic. Vince Freezy, right? Like, that guy yeah. has... I have a little bit of respect for him and a sense of that guy. I never th- like I never thought he was that good riding a bike, right? I just felt like he had so much heart and so much want and so much will. Dude, that he was willing to <laughs> break your femur to pass you. You know what I mean? And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I only respected it because of the hunger he had. Like, he, he there, okay, if there's a section on the track, he ain't make it something like you have to wheel tap, something very technical. He can't even do it. But he will, in the race, he will be on your ass hounding you because he's just like, he's a, he's a dog. Like, I'll give it to him. Like, yeah. He he don't quit. You seen him 250 West Coast. He was battling on the podium. So like that guy's not I don't, I don't want to put it out of context, but he's gone a lot better this year, but like he was never had those crazy bike skills where you're like, "Oh man, he's fast," right? But he just had that dog in him that, you know, that got him to where he was in the in the races. And I was like, oh man, if I just had a little bit more of that in me, like, because I got the skills, I I got some of the recipe, but I don't have the complete yeah. package. I'm like, 
fuck, I, like that's one thing that I respect Freezy for for sure. Well, I mean, I, I even said said it to him after um, after Melbourne before I before I saw the yeah. fucking the whole Brayton take out. Mm-hmm. I fully was like giving him the biggest props, and but like I said to him as well that I, you could see that the crazy shit that he does is out of like desperation. Yeah, like he's so desperate to do good and he knows that he doesn't have the speed and he knows that he doesn't have like exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. he's so hungry and so desperate to win yeah that i think that maybe he doesn't even anticipate like what's going to actually happen when he does the move that he does mm-hmm. whereas you know I, I think that as he gets far and this is what i sort of said to him as he gets faster like he's probably just not going to have to take those those risks but i just think the ship might yeah. have already sailed yeah for him with yeah no, too, i know too many too many people you know yeah no for sure i hate racing i like i'm so happy when i'm not racing freeze like i literally like my legs intact so he's just <laughs> I, 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 here's a funny story is i was doing a qualifying lap san diego 2018 and uh he went to start his lap and I was ending my lap. So I went into the finish line and cleaned him out, right? I'll never forget this. He's so hot. <laughs> I pull into the tunnel after after the, the qualifier. He comes up to me. He's getting fucking hot. I mean, I'm kind of talking some shit back, right? And he looks at me in the eyes and I'm telling you, like, he had some fucking crazy eyes going on. Like, he would... He would fucking murder me, right? He's got these crazy eyes. He says, and he starts laughing. He's like, I'm going to break your fucking leg. He's like, he says something like, I'm going to break your fucking femur. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break your fucking legs. And like, he's laughing while saying it. And like, with these gnarly, I was like, dude, this guy's a fucking psychopath. And then Mohead and him were arguing all the way back to the pits, like a mile long back to the pits. And I was like, this guy's kind of fucking psycho, dude. Like, he 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 had this sketchy <laughs> grin on his face, telling me he's gonna break my legs. Like, and gonna be honest, like I think Vince can scrap as well. So I'm I'm not sure if that's a, a fight I want to pick, but uh, I'll never forget that he was just like he was looking at me with this grin and laughing while seeing it, but with these crazy ass eyes saying I'm gonna break your fucking legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> so that dude, was one crazy of eyes. experience. Crazy eyes is a real thing, bro. Like, oh, no, I, like I, remember, I feel like when he gets mad, like he he goes, uh, he might go psycho. But I don't know, man. Yeah, no. There was a my friend had a chick, and the, it was like the first time he introduced me to her, and I remember being like shook, <laughs> like I felt like I had like a feel. I was like, she's fucking crazy. Like just literally from seeing her eyes, bro. And then, like, you fast forward a little bit. There's, like, she's on suicide watch and she's, like, trying to stab him. And, oh like, my dude, God. literally just, like, meeting, meeting yeah. her instantly. I was yeah. just, you just see the fucking, the soul. I was like, oh, yeah. Ooh, it's dark in there, bro. Oh, man. Yeah. So that was uh, a funny you, story, but. You got to respect, uh, you got to respect the, to be, like, because essentially that would be like me being a supercross racer. Like I just don't, I don't have the bike skills. I don't like, I could ride okay. But maybe like, maybe if I was a complete psycho dedicated my whole life to it, you know, like that's the, that's the mountain that he's had to climb to get to where he's at. Like he's fucking podium supercross mm-hmm. races in the wet. Like that's fucking gnarly no, at like, the end of I the day. And to, how- do, to do that without the skills, you know? Yeah, well, he's definitely getting the skills. Like, 
that's the thing that's crazy. Like, I don't know how old Vince is, but he's getting better every year. Like, World Supercross, sure. he was actually riding pretty fast. Like, he is getting faster. And I'm like, damn, how does this guy keep getting faster? But, yeah. And then he's just such a good starter. And then, and then he just, he'll just block you and not let you buy and fight for it to the better end. And that's how he gets good results. And, and, hey, I give him props because he, he fucking, he has that dog in him and he goes to the checkered and he won't let you buy. And like, he's cross jumped me, cross jumped me in the whoops, like everything. And so he, he's done to so many other writers, but, um, I will give him that bit of respect for, for his heart for sure. Dude, he's a grafter. Yeah, he's a grafter. <laughs> he's, he's every year grafter, he gets just bro. that. Hey, every year he just gets a little bit uh, better. So, two fifty West yeah. Coast. You know he's going to be coming in swinging. So, hope the boys are ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, um, man. like he, he's in a race. He's in a race with himself to where he gets fast enough to not have to take people out and podium and cross jump and all that shit. So it's either that happens or literally the entire world just gives up on him. But it seems like it seems like Mike like he'll always have a ride. Like after oh, the yeah. Brayton stuff in oh, yeah. World Supercross, like if you can if you can have guys coming out saying that like, oh, he offered me two grand to take him out and it was the same team and you still get a job, like chances are like he's still gonna be on the track for a little while and he's still gonna get better. Maybe there's a point where he doesn't have to take people out. Yeah, nah, Genova and Tony like Dude, that's like their son. He, he ain't ever leaving that team. Like, for so I obviously I raced that, and then I didn't know what was going on. It was actually kind of funny because Vince was behind me in the last main, and his mechanic, <laughs> his mechanic's pit board said World Supercross <laughs> champ, and I was like, holy fuck, he yeah, just won yeah. the World Supercross. But then I'm like, can I come to put him? And then like, can he celebrate? I'm like, what the fuck's going on right now? And then I wanted to get changed and get out of there because I didn't have a great weekend. And then I hear everything that had happened. I had no idea, like, of anything that went on. And, dude, for Brayton to get that fired up, I was like, fuck, let me check this no, out. Like so I watched the star, and then I'm like, oh, that was a bit cheeky. He, he could have kept turning. He straightened up and just cleaned him. And then, and then uh, yeah, I mean, all the drama afterwards and... What you know? What he said to I think Grant Harlan on the start line that he'll give him money. Um, yeah, that's that's out of order for sure. There's no need for that. And for Brayton to be that mad, he's done something wrong for sure. So that that wasn't cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a hectic deal. When <laughs> when you uh when you talked about the but, hey hey he keeps <laughs> entertaining like hey he keeps entertaining like if yeah. I was a fan I'd be like. Is Vince Freezy coming or not? <laughs> hey, there's two guys I want on the track. <laughs> Vince Freezy and Barsha. Are they coming or not? If not, I'm not even showing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hey, you know what? You're fucking right. Like <sighs> we kind of there's guys like uh there there's guys in the in the UFC like fucking uh fuck, why am I spacing on his name? Mike uh oh, Mike Perry. You oh, know yeah. Mike Perry, UFC? Like, yeah. he's just a fucking psychopath. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I couldn't call myself, like, a fan of his in the way that I'd be, like, a fan of Adesanya. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I want to watch him fight because he is fucking crazy. And mm -hmm. Diego Sanchez was like back that back mm -hmm. in the day mm -hmm. where you were just like, 
this crazy motherfucker is about to do some like next level shit that I just need to be here for. Yeah, yeah. That's just character though, isn't it? That's why I wish we had more characters in our sport. Like, you know, I, I feel like everyone's so scared to just be themselves in front of the media and the camera. Like they're just kind of a lot of squares in our sport and not not like there's nothing wrong with that but like dude it like show your character show your personality if that's who you like, really are yeah if that's is, if you really are a square like dunge square great fucking guy mm-hmm. super nice guy square be mm-hmm. that guy then yeah but then it's like if you're not that guy but then you act like that guy that's probably the disconnect you're talking well, about that's what i'm talking about like when you're not like everyone's just it's so corporate now they, they don't want to say something or do something that's going to get them in trouble and that's where like that's where ufc and shit's so cool to watch because they're all just talking shit and like the difference is is they have one fight and then they're done for a few months and then they have another you know supercross if you were talking shit and then you got 20 <laughs> you're talking shit on some guy and then <laughs> and then he just waxes you you know and you got 29 races like it doesn't work like that you don't want to talk shit on people but what i'm saying is it's cool just to get i, I just wish people would get outside their comfort zone and their the box that they're in and and not worry about the consequences but then again i say that if they say something then they get fined or the team is on their ass and they say something and then it's just i just wish the sport was a bit more the writers were just a bit more entertaining and exciting like i think kenny does a good job um i think uh who else is there i don't know there's a there's a few guys out there that like kind of exciting and fun like hey i may not be fucking winning races or whatever but like i'm myself on the camera or or uh you know off the camera i'm the same person and i just i just think that's the little bit we're lacking in our sport is a bit of personality you know yeah dude i think that i mean i think that this show is showing that people kind of want to see a bit more of that like people don't give a fuck that you're swearing in an interview on a pod like big what's that nothing's happened you know like i think that i think that we're like craving that shit in in a sense and like just for people to be able to like be themselves without being criticized or or pulled apart and but i think that even it comes down to um at the track like they did the super polls at melbourne then uh you fucked that up too by the way yeah. you are on yeah. an absolute heater like know, are you serious bro one, one turn one turn fuck i know uh you were killing it too but like but so you were the only guy right so this, it's cool to talk about this with you because you're the only guy that gave some kind of like emotion uh, and were like you were hyping up the crowd and you were sort of mm-hmm. like doing mm-hmm. some shit right like, right 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 i think that there's there's even like the there's the off-camera stuff which i think is definitely getting a little bit better i yeah. think like ap's doing his thing team yeah, fry AP's definitely one. helped yep. bam's got bam's got yeah, his he's thing getting going better. he, and, he uh, used to not be like that yeah. justin and i feel like now it's obviously getting older but he's like probably thinking hey i've made it this far like i'm just going to be myself or whatever like yeah. and another <laughs> yeah. like one is okay brock tickle right I didn't really, I was teammates with Brock, but didn't really hang out with him too much. But you watch his interviews. Brock's one of my best friends. And you watch his interviews and he's like, dude, he literally sounds like a, he's on a recorder. Like, yeah, Monster Energy Pro Star, uh, uh, and then that was it, done. And I'm like, damn, this guy, like, every 
every uh, interview boring. was just like <laughs> so boring. And then I hung out with this guy. I'm like, what the? Is this even the same guy? And I was like, Brock, like if you oh, fucking yeah. showed like a bit of personality in that, like now you got your merch. I mean, he obviously he's not racing now, but like now you got your merch and and if you're not the fastest guy, why not at least like you know look at how good alex reed does with his merch and stuff like that and just promote yourself and yeah and that's how like you get invited to these off-season races and stuff because at the end of the day they want to sell tickets to sell seats right like so they want you know to come watch someone that they like and enjoy watching or whatever so i don't know i just think a lot of people and that's one thing i've always been pretty good at is i've always been good at saying what i want and not giving a fuck what anyone else thinks right like, I don't care what you think. I've always spoke my mind. And I think people are always worried about what people are going to think or say. So that is yeah, one thing. Yeah. Like, like who gives a fuck? Who cares what they think? What's that going to change in your life, right? Like, who cares? You know, and like, it's yeah. funny. Like, I'll get trolls here and there on my Instagram. Like, just retire already. Okay, I'm going to retire. Like, with all due respect... If I'm not winning, I, I've, I know I don't win races. I know I barely get top five. I'm mainly a top 10 rider. Sometimes I don't even get top 10. I'm still making half a million dollars each year. And I'm <laughs> and, and, and there's guys I'm battling with that sometimes are making double or triple more than me. But and then there's some guys that I'm the same speed as and are making way less than me. Because like the way that I've um, built relationships with Rockstar and this and that, like... I'm I've still done really well the for myself. The way that you've invested in your YouTube channel, right. your merch, like considering um, what I'm trying to say is like, you know, for my results, I'm I've done really well for my and um, and I just think that's like I I know that like Rockstar Husky hired me not they didn't hire me to win races. Of course, we want to win races, but pretty much they hired me to be hey you top five we're ecstatic top ten, that's pretty much where you should be, and. That was kind of like my deal, and and uh, you know there was times where but basically bring fans to the truck and be a guy that yes. is like be a team guy that brings exactly. people to this. Truck, they had Jason gets people excited. You you need to be yeah be Ando's guy. Yeah, they had Jason, they had Zach. They, it was a three man team, so they had Jason and Zach. Those those guys got paid the big bucks, so they expect you to be on the box. And I got paid a lot less than them, but I was still grateful to be on the team and. Um, you know, then you add in your gear, your your goggles, blah 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 blah. So like, you know, I made it work really well for my, and I had built such a good relationship with Rockstar. People always would, would always would message me or not message me, like comment, like how the fuck is this guy still on factory team? Because I played my cards right. I have a good relationship with Rockstar. Who's the title sponsor of Husqvarna? Rockstar. So they had my back, and they're like, we want Dean on the team. I'm sure Husky were sometimes were like, fuck, but hey. Dean you gotta, sucks. <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta play it right. And I was still, as long as I was like top 10, promoting the company well and being healthy, I was doing my job, you know? Yeah. Oh, dude, 100%. And like, and I think that there's a line to where, and I think that Chase Sexton made me think about this when Chase, because I think that you get, you get a couple of different camps of riders, right? So you get a, a guy that is like, I just do this as a sport. Like, so I'm an athlete. I'm not an mm -hmm. entertainer. I'm not a fucking media personality. That's cool. Like, you can kind of be that guy. But then there's also the guys that 
they understand that they're there to entertain people as well. Mm-hmm. Like you're in a, a coliseum. So it's like, there's a sport, there's a winner, there's a yeah. championship, there's a title, but there's also the whole economy of this sport. Like <clears throat> we don't just get the best dudes in the world and then put them in a field with no cameras and no one, just because we want to know who's best. Mm-hmm. Like no one's care. like just wants to get like the text of who went fastest and who got top three. So it's yeah. like, it is this whole thing is like underpinned by this being like this entertaining thing to watch. Right. And I feel like that's a balance that we always have to work on. And I feel like that's something that the writers have to all about. It's something that the, the promoters have to think about. Like, I think that's a big difference between like Feld and WSX is like how much of a show the WSX is right. um, in terms of like what they're trying to like create. Yeah. But then it was really obvious to me in Super Bowl, especially when they just worked so hard to have like this show and then you have Super Bowl and then the writers, it's like they finish their lap and then it's just like idle back to the fucking microphone and then the next guy, it was the entertainment value was like completely lost. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, fuck boys, like someone for me, please, yeah. like yeah. please someone give me fucking hope that you, that shows me that you guys even want to be there. Yeah. It's like, like dude, rev the bike, get, get on the, the crowd f- fucking fired out. Like dude, people go to Paris yeah. just to see fucking Edgar Ta- Torrentino is fucking do his, uh, beatboxing shit. Remember that? <laughs> How he'd like, you do like the helicopter flying out. Yeah. And then like he beatbox, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. he was entertaining. Dude was forty doing fucking heel clickers. Like he's an OG in the sport, but like it just like it's. I just played my cards right, and like I knew my position. Like I know that I wasn't gonna be the winning guy. Like I I know that. Like so when there's people talking shit to me on Instagram, most of the time I let it slide because it's whatever. Like. Like I said, I'm raised by Andy Wilson. It takes a lot to get under my skin. But, you know, sometimes I just want to <laughs> fucking... I'm like, hey, I got time today, buddy. And then I'll just fucking... I'm just, like, laughing the whole time. I'm like, I'm going back and forth with this guy. Fucking... Hey, I'll click on his profile and then I'll, I'll get... I'll just, like... And when I have time, yeah, exactly. I have fun with it. Fuck it. But, like, most of the time I just forget about it but um sometimes it just feel it feels too good just to fucking jab the sword back at him you know oh i love i I, I love a bit of shit talking you know what i mean i love a bit of shit i I love a bit of shit talking so uh, it's good good banter but yeah it's like if you if you got forty thousand people in a fucking in some stands Mm -hmm. Get up and do some shit, you know? Like Prude Joseph Allen just has like, the whole no stadium on his back trying to hype him. He's like, is anyone going to help me out at all? Uh. Yeah, bro, anybody, anybody, anyone. Dude, I actually think he did a fucking good job too. Shout out to Joseph Allen. Like, so he was on point through the, like, in terms of, like, being the crowd guy. Like, it was actually, it was actually sick. But I think, yeah, the guys just, fuck, for me, just take a little bit more just fucking throw some hands up rev some mm-hmm. bikes like mm-hmm. and be you know it's fun like you've earned you've earned this crazy spot on this roster of fucking freaks that get to travel around and visit these stadiums yeah. and you know i think that that's probably you watch any team fried video like outdoors team fried i feel like that just knowing that i feel like just knowing that those that tom's there with that camera bring has brought out such like a different vibe in oh, yeah. people as well and it's like made people want to engage more like 
that's what we need. And then everyone starts to get looked at as as mm-hmm. like a Dino type guy, you know, because so I think one of the things that that you said it's kind of like an important in the in this whole deal is that there's not everyone's gonna win the fucking race man but like exactly. that doesn't mean that you should retire like so what do we just have three dudes because we know who's gonna kind of be yeah. on the box like to get point to get points in an f1 race is 10th and it's like that's crazy like that's a crazy achievement to to get points and it's like respected in that in that sense mm-hmm. but like it just seems like with our sport no one gives a fuck unless you're the dude that oh yeah winning or second or third but it's like mm-hmm. there's so much to offer and you're still such an insanely good rider like that's some messaging i think that we've just got super yeah wrong in a mm-hmm. sense as well but i think that i mean maybe it's like the fact that like you said you're making good money but you know you get a guy like a Phil Nicoletti or something that he's like a, he's a dope dude. That was a Mm -hmm. super popular podcast for us. Right. He's a guy that people really love, but when he's like fucking wearing old clothes, barely getting to the track, (laughs) like, you know, there's not, it's just the, the vibe, it doesn't come across like a guy that is like, and I'm not talking about him personally, but like someone that's making 30 grand a year to race supercross, like, the fans almost feel sorry for the guy instead of looking up to him. Yeah. Like when you're a rider in a sport, like you want to like look up to dudes and you want to see him like killing it. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh fuck, I make more than, <laughs> I make more than this poor dude. Yeah. I love Phil. Phil's like this, like he has so many fans. Goes back to the same old thing because he's just him fucking, he's, he's himself, right? Like he's the same guy in front of yeah. the camera or in front of his fans than he is when he's back at the pits <laughs> yeah. or whatever. He's just, and it's funny, like, everyone you know he 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 is like the old grumpy guy but he's like got the best heart and he's a good dude and like he's just but i i love phil for that like it's just funny he's just always grumpy but he's funny and like he plays the part a little bit you know he's he's a really good dude but like he at least he's just fucking being himself and i respect anybody that just like is not scared to be themselves like bogle even him like you know like he raps and stuff and like dude that's I mean, hey, you ain't going to catch me rapping, but, you know, he's not scared. And I I, I, <laughs> I totally respect that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 freaking tough to uh, to make it in this sport. And then, you know, I've been professional now for almost 15 years or something. And it's like, oh, man, it's it's gnarly. Like people want to talk shit and like, listen, motherfucker. I've been doing this for a, a while now. Like I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't make it here by fucking around. You know what I mean? Like I, I really put in the work to get to where I am now. So it's just, it's just people always have something to say. But that's just part. That's just part of it. Um, the when you were talking about you know guys kind of like doing their own thing and being themselves. How funny is free agent Kenny? Oh, I <laughs> know he's just fucking hand, bro. He's killing it right now. That's like. <laughs> You know what's so funny is like, so he's in a good spot. Like he's where his algorithm on his Instagram is just peaking, right? Everyone's, everyone wants to know like, what <laughs> is Kenny going to do? And I just remember, it's funny because I remember when I was a privateer and like, dude, I had so many supporters. It was insane. You know, people always love you when you're down, you know what I mean? And I had so many supporters. And then it was like, once I got that factory, right? It was just like, <laughs> like, like, obviously I still had a good fan base, but it was like, you know everyone loves the underdog so like kenny right now he's just having fun with it he's on the yammy he's on the e-bike all that so he's uh 
he's in a fun spot right now, even though it's not really fun to be in that position, but he's definitely like, you know, having fun with it, which is really the only way you can do that, you know? Yeah, well, I think like he's in, he's in, he's actually riding another brand of bike today, a completely different color. Is he still um, in Europe? But no? like, no, 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 he's, uh, he's back in the States. I was actually talking okay. to him yesterday before he was flying, like leaving Europe. But um, yeah, I mean, the fans is just so behind him. Like everyone's behind him. And I think that yeah, he talking about playing your cards, right? Like pulling the deal with Honda. Like I, I, I did hear exactly what the deal was. So now I'm like, I've done all the numbers and I've like worked out in my head. I'm like fucking fair play to your son. Like it was a big, it was like a proper deal, you know, like I actually thought he was walking away from something a bit shitter than what he was. But, um, like to do that to back yourself he obviously made some good money in you know wsx and mm -hmm. then paris but to just like fully have that autonomy and the thing is like this is i think one of the cool things and we sort of saw it with chad but i reckon chad probably just tried to go a bit too big with tutu where it's like you kind of had a guy that had a bunch of money mate you know like he's sweet like doesn't really need a ride and it's not like he needs a factory bike because Showa's going to give you the suspension you're still like you're still going to get all the shit mm -hmm. and he kind of just got to like do his own thing i think he, i think chad just tried to go too big but now kenny's in like this crazy sick position where he doesn't have to like he's fine with money like he could pay yeah. for his own shit all mm -hmm. next year no one give him a dollar like it doesn't fucking matter but now he gets to like pick and choose he can talk shit he can fucking ride this bike and that bike and and he yeah. can like keep everyone kind of going but but when it ultimately comes to racing like he's fully in the in the driver's seat and man to he looked good at Bert, like Bercy like not mm -hmm. many people are on Tomac down like yeah. you, you know yeah. it's obviously and he, he, he was saying that he finally got to do what he wanted to do to the bike. So, I mean, right. there's so many times where a rider says that when they're struggling and then you're just like, whatever, bro, like it can't be the bike, mm -hmm. you know? So he's, yeah. he's in this crazy position, but now he's actually like, look at the fan engagement and like, look at the shit yeah. that he's like created. It's fucking yeah. unreal. No, he's in a good spot right now. And like, yeah, I mean, at Paris, that was some of the best riding I've seen him do in a long time. And that's a full firepower bike, you know? So, I, that makes me feel good like okay our bike can win our bike's good so uh that was cool and it, it's gonna be interesting to see what he does i'm even interested because it's it's like you just rode your best that you've ridden all year ran down tomac he didn't beat you once on was it sunday and then sunday, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna get off that bike and go ride something else you know it's like it's interesting like you know, there's rumors of Suzuki, there's a Cowie PC bike, or, you know, there's all these different rumors. So it's hard for the only thing that makes it hard for him because his relationships with Fox and Red Bull, I don't see him ever giving those up. But who knows? No. But I really, I mean, he's been with Fox and Red Bull his whole career, and to give it up at this stage would just seem silly. But that's the only thing that hinders him with a factory Yamaha. Well, it's the Red Bull and factory Yamaha, right? Factory Cowie, Monster. Um, it's, it's hard to... There's not a lot of places to go with the Fox and the Red Bull. So, it's kind of... Uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, but that's the thing. I just I just don't think that you need it. Like, I just don't think that you need the, the factory bot. Like, don't go to a team. It gives a fuck. And then don't... Don't get a semi. 
<laughs> well, not everyone's real in, expensive. Not, not everyone's in a Kenny position where he can go privateer and still have lots of money, though. You know what I mean? But it was cool to yeah, yeah. see him in Paris, like when on a non-factory bike that it can be done. You know, and the same as Brayton. Brayton went really well there too. Like beat both the KTM guys. I was like, damn, like it's impressive. Yeah, well, and you always, I think the the thing that must feel good for him is that when you complain about the bike all last year and then you become like, you just get ridiculed for blaming the bike and then you go out and then you get to set it up the way you want it and then you fucking wax Domac. Then yeah. he gets to sit there and be like, I told you. Like, that would feel good. <laughs> yeah, it would feel good for him for sure. But um, yeah, he's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's just cool to see a guy that's in that position doing the free agent yeah. thing like you never see it then there's two series that you can play off as yeah. well like do you just do all the a i've said that i think the move is just do like seven ama and then just concentrate on the world supercross and you know like that probably no, he doesn't need sure to race world supercross there. he don't need to race world supercross he can go do the outdoors do what he has to do because i'm racing world supercross okay we don't need them out there. <laughs> true, true. But uh, um, when so I when you before, sorry, when okay, I spoke to him, he was pretty committed that he wanted to still do outdoors. So I think he uh, that was the last I spoke to him. He was like pretty committed on doing outdoors still, and I think World Supercross overlaps with some outdoors, right? Or I mean, I don't think they have a schedule. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think that would be the plan. I think it will. Right. Yeah um yeah so before when we were talking about like the headstrong kind of guys and you're like there's guys that can be like shit and then just talk to themselves to win and like dude i just think about cooper oh <laughs> like the years that he won those titles it's like bro like the biggest fucking animal like what must go on for in sure. his head for sure. to well, win those when races he, when like, he won his he's a crazy example of that yeah okay so when he won his championship in 2019 his qualifiers were like P8, P9, P7. Like he was never... 12, ve yeah. Very few. He was actually P1. And then almost that year, he was on fire. And he won a lot of main events from qualifying. Pretty shitty. So he's just like... Have you seen that meme with Dustin Poirier? And it says, Dustin Poirier has an x-ray. And look what they found. And then it's, a, it's like a picture of Dustin Poirier. And then it like diminishes into an x-ray and it's a dog and know like he's got that dog in him <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. that's what coop's got coop's got that dog in him and like i'll i'll be honest like i know coop i'm buddies with coop and like see when he's at the track he's kind of a miserable bastard like he's just got this chip on his shoulder you know when he's at the track like he's never really seems like he's that happy and it's just because he's like he's just that's just what makes him good that's what that's what makes him like yeah that's what makes him good he just has that chip on his shoulder and like we'll be at the test track and like he we literally won't even say a word to each other and like i'll, I'll and then like afterwards like we'll talk but like he always just looks pissed off at the track like i swear to god he always just looks pissed off and miserable and but that's what fucking makes him win and yeah he's he's definitely when it comes to grit and being that dog he that's that's cooper for sure yeah yeah no i think he's like a crazy example of it and you just you'd have to think like to talk a bit to go back to that anxiety thing it's like is there anxiety that's going on in him or you know is that or is that he one of the guys that just doesn't have it he's just got that belief that you spoke about i think he's just got that belief but i can't speak for him but 
I just think, uh, yeah, I think, you know, going to go back to what we're talking about earlier, the way his dad brought him up. I think he was, I can't speak, but he was pretty hard on him. And, uh, that's what made Coop like the man he is, you know what I mean? He's fucking pissed off and he just, <laughs> he just, uh, yeah, he's got that chip on his shoulder. And so when he's out there, he's just like, yeah, he just fucking gives it his all. And like 20, when did he win that second championship? 21, right? <laughs> 21? Griff? Yeah. I think yeah, it was 21. 21, yeah. right? I'm telling you, 2019, he was lean and and mean and in good shape. Like 21, he was in good shape. I'm telling you, that boy had a bit of a gut on him as well. And he was dominating. <laughs> he was winning and running down riders on the last laps. And that was just shows like he just, he's a racer. Yeah. Yeah, just straight. Like, that's just all mental at that point, eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes to the mental side and just that, that want and grit, the Coop's definitely, I would say, the top of the sport in that department. And then you have yeah. Tomac, which is like, he's such a strange one to figure out, you know? Like, he's so good. And it's like, but he's almost like the Khabib. He's like the Khabib of Dude, <laughs> he is, bro. Like, he ain't out fucking around like he's out in Colorado out in the mountains fucking he ain't wrestling bears but he's like doing the work he you know there's nothing that that guy does that's gonna derail you know his momentum like he's I feel like he's just he's he's you know got a good head on his shoulders like he he fucking he's dominant and he he's not out partying or doing dumb shit like that's what how he's so good you know, because it's kind of funny because I've seen this Andrew yep. Tate, top G, and he's talking about how he knew Khabib was going to beat Connor. <laughs> he's talking about how he knew Khabib was going to beat Connor because Khabib's 100% committed fucking, you know, his religion and wrestling. Like, that's it, right? Where Connor's, you know, Connor's Connor. And he's like, there's not a chance Connor's going to beat him. Yeah. And I feel like that's like Tomac, like, that's 100% more across. And uh, I mean, he has a family and stuff now, but. He's been really good with, no, you know, not really any injuries. And obviously, he's had a phenomenal career. But, uh, dude, unbelievable year he's had. Like, man, how much money do you think he made this year? Supercross, motocross, designations. I wonder. Got the big money just to race Cardiff. He's made some so, cheese. You'd have to, like, it'd be maybe 10 million. I would reckon around there. Maybe not that much. Maybe, like, seven seven to ten because like I've, i i feel alps deal would be a million the what sorry like a mill just in alps alpine oh. stuff oh yeah 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 i don't know so He's like i feel like there's there's that there's oakley then you got bell bell don't pay a lot but then you got the championship is a, a, a milli probably are they still doing 100k championship bonus uh win bonuses for soupies probably more than that honestly really yeah, yeah dude he is just like just and then whoosh, probably got a big bag just, from paris supercross as well he's yeah, he's had yeah, a yeah. phenomenal year unbelievable that's where i'm like damn do you like, know much of, do you know much about him well so when i was coming up obviously 2010 i raced him i beat him outdoors and then 2011 oh no no 2010 yeah we raced outdoors 2010 2011 i beat him and then Dude, he just became an animal in 2012. Like, I remember I... 
when I was racing him on the West Coast, like, he just got broad, like, big shoulders, and, like, there's not a backside of a jump that Tomac hit. Like, he OJ'd everything. <laughs> and, like, it was like he was, like, bending his bars when he was riding. It was like, oh! He literally didn't touch a backside of a landing. He OJ'd everything, oh. and he was just aggressive and fucking really fast. And then, so, we were racing that championship, and then, uh, yeah... I struggled at the beginning, had really bad arm pump, and then uh, I pulled it together, and then he DNF San Diego, and I won. So I had the red plate by, like, three points. So, like, we had an eight-week break after that, and then we went into Seattle, and um, I really wanted to win this championship. Like, I had never won a Supercross championship, so I worked really hard on that break, and I came in, and he passed me, and then I, like, stuffed him back off the track, and then, like, he passed me again. Or, I don't know. We were going back and forth. And I was riding a bit aggressive. but yeah, And yeah. then, uh, yeah, he just cleaned me. <laughs> and I popped my shoulder out when he cleaned me. And then, like, my shoulder was done. Whatever. And, like, I always had the kind of a bad taste in my mouth from that. But um, I remember when I got surgery on my shoulder. And uh, I got back. And I was so bitter on the whole deal. And... I tweeted some stupid shit. I don't even know why it was. And then, like, so ever since then, like, that was, like, I was, like, 20 then. And I was just, you know, wanted to win at the end of the day. And then, but I totally, you know, have nothing against Eli. I think he's fine. And you know what? Like, I respect about him is that, like, he is, hey, he ain't the most flashy guy. He ain't Mr. Personality. But he is who he is, like. I feel like what you see is what you get with him. You know, he just beats his own drum. He goes out to Colorado, does his thing, comes to the races, doesn't really beef with anybody, does his deal, goes back. Yeah. You know what I mean? He kind of just does his deal. So I, yeah. I respect that for sure from him. And yeah, yeah. I think we're fine now. But the, I, that was uh, that was the the last time I battled Eli, pretty much. Yeah, man. I mean, that was a that was almost a bit of like a turning point in your career like i remember i remember watching that race i was i was back in australia i'm pretty sure and i remember watching the race and then i remember afterwards the that you shoulder was fucked basically and i just was gutted for you like that yeah. felt like a pretty big moment in your mm -hmm. in your career and then trajectories just went yeah dude. you struggle with some injury and then yeah. he just won everything and it was oh, like it was always yeah, and I mean, for for you, like, that must have been a pretty tough pill to swallow. Like, not even seeing, like, once it's done, you're just seeing the guy that you were beating go and just fucking win everything, and then you just got on this, like, injury roll. Like, it's just such a, you know, you look back in your life at, like, one moment, and how one moment just is, oh. like, a fork. It, dude, that, that to me is, like, that's probably the most brutal one when I look back at your career. That's what it is. Yeah, I've learned a lot, you know, from... Like, honestly, after that injury, I got injured pretty much every year. When it was 250s was shoulders, shoulder, shoulder, shoulder. And then when I got to 450, it was knees. So I was like, fucking hell. So, um, yeah, it was tough. Like, I was always in it, though. Like, 2012, 2011, battling for the championship. 2012, battling for the championship. 2013, had the red plate. Crashed in the heat race. Collapsed my lung. That was, I was done. That's the year Will Hahn won. Yeah, uh, uh, me, Jason, and Seeley were going at it for the title. Then I DNF the race. 
Jason actually, I was leading the race, crashed at San Diego. Jason landed on my front brake caliper, broke it off, had no front brake. That was San Diego 2014. So that was pretty much that championship done. Uh, Jason won that year. And then, so that was the lights. That was lights. So at least every year I was in it though. I was in the title hunt, you know? And then uh, yeah, yeah. the 450s is like, see when you step up to the 450 class, that's just a different game. That's, you got 29 races. You don't just have five or six, seven good guys. You have like 12. It's gnarly. It's the 450 class is like just so tough mentally and physically. Pretty much just getting your ass beat every weekend and having to take it and move forward <laughs> from it and like, Try, you know, it's dude, it's it's gnarly. It's not like 250 days where I'm I remember showing up to the start line knowing I was going to win the heat race, like boom, win the heat race, five grand, boom, <laughs> you know, win the main event, 50k, <laughs> boom, 55 grand day. I was like, oh, this is good. 450 class to win a heat race is like, <laughs> fuck, like it's so hard. So it's uh, 450, like I have. Obviously, the competitors that I race against in the 450 class, but, like, I have a respect for them because I just know how fucking gnarly it is, you know? Yeah, dude. And and to, to go back to before, it's like it's that, that turning point. But as much as it's, like, a turning point that now you can look back and be like, fuck, that started a bit, pretty bad run. But that bad run, you know, is you still at 30 years old with, like one of the most popular dudes in the sport with like this crazy career that you've still got like obviously retiring from like the full-time us stuff or whatever but it's like you've still got this epic career like you just don't know it's easy to look back and go that was shit but you just don't know like if that didn't happen like what else happens that doesn't lead to like you still being here doing this now that you know that was definitely like yeah. a it's like one of those ones where you can look back and go fuck that yeah. was like a that was a moment that really changed some shit you know mm-hmm. no i know what you mean it's yeah you know that one entry that you could have went this way and went whoo or you know you just struggled unfortunately i went on struggle street but that's part of the game like people one thing that does kind of like frustrate me or kind of piss me off is when people like will comment like shit about injuries or like oh fuck you're just gonna get hurt again or or like like some guy commented you know obviously adam's had a hard time with injuries cincerello and like oh he's always right and he's like oh who's gonna who's gonna be the first one to get hurt wilson or cincerello or whatever it's like dude the sport's fucking dangerous like and a lot of people don't know but because we we can't say but a lot of the injuries we have sometimes aren't even our fault it's a bike malfunction so and we're not allowed to say because we can't make our team look bad. So some guys get hurt and then they just have to keep their mouth zipped. But then there's trolls online like, oh, fucking hurt again. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, and you got to keep your mouth shut. And it's like, oh, it's painful. But these guys are paying you, you know, and you do what you're told. So that part is always a bit tough. But you can't, like I said, you can't worry about what anybody else has to say. You know, I just think it's. There's like a level of disrespect and that's just one that I think is like a cheap shot is injuries because it's a dangerous sport. Like literally for US Supercross, there's only four, sometimes five riders that actually make all 17 rounds. So it's that dangerous, you know, that 
that many people will only make the full series. Yeah, dude, it's fucking so gnarly to think about it in in that respect. And to go back to the that whole bike malfunction deal, like that's not cool that you can't say that. I just because that's that's a really frustrating part, Jace. Like that's I get it though. I mean, I don't. To be honest, (laughs) I don't get it. Like it's not cool. It's tough, but like it's just it's the it's the corporations you know they want to sell bikes and then if they if you say this bike did this and you got injured because of it then they think people won't won't want to buy that bike and it's really tough because it's happened to me a lot in my career and fucking sucks eating shit and and having to stay quiet and people are talking down on you you know but that's part of the deal you gotta you gotta sometimes respect the team's rules but it is tough it's very very hard to swallow that pill sometimes yeah i mean i just don't agree with it in the and and i think that it's a simple manufacturer perspective change like the manufacturer needs to just go they just put out a press release and go hey we had a chain break we had a fucking we had a a fucking piston go like whatever it is that went down dino got hurt this is a nature of the beast these race bikes uh you know they don't exactly reflect our stock motorcycles the stock motorcycles get you know put through these you know test these are race bikes with race fuel and rate every these are a different machine you know and it's like that shouldn't be that fucking hard because the follow-on effect like the the teams or the manufacturers don't get a hit and that there's gonna be no hit to their bottom line when they say of how many crf 250s get sold or kx 250fs that gets like it's not gonna matter man but to you that really does matter like public perception other teams perceptions like if other teams don't know that when you did your knee you had a fucking chain break or whatever it mm-hmm. is then that's the narrative that goes and adam in the you know the same i don't know the story that maybe some of his shit's like that but it's like i just don't think that's fair and that's an easy thing for the manufacturers to change mm-hmm. and it like that literally could get changed like that there's no fucking hurt that's gonna come to sales but i think that the the long tail that it can have to affect a guy like like your career because you fucking had a bike malfunction crash uh, before supercross in in oz and like you were beat to shit when you went and raced there like it fucking happens bro my mm-hmm. bike like my bike breaks like but yeah. this shit this this is the game that we play and i just i think that's actually like a massive cop out for teams and i just don't think it has the effect on them that they think it would yeah yeah no i don't know it's a touchy subject for sure you know it's happened to a lot of the writers but they just uh yeah you gotta you gotta be quiet you know but it's tough yeah yeah no i'm not i'm not down with it um when you were um when you were talking about the anxiety stuff before what what was the thing that made you realize that you got it like how did you because you kind of you Mm -hmm. go without even thinking that it's like a real thing like where did that whole deal like start for you do you remember like the first time or like how you kind of figured it out i remember uh it was factory ktm days so um so I, i went from pc to factory ktm right so two of the best teams at the time and um 
so every time I'd go to the track, I was struggling on the KTM. Like, I was struggling adjusting to it. It was a big change from a Japanese bike to an Austrian bike. It was really yeah. different. And, like, I just remember I was struggling at the track. I was off the pace. Like, Dunge is there. And he's smoking me. Jason was there. He was smoking me. And, like, I'm, like, stressed out. And what really stressed me out was Roger and Ian would always be at the track every single day. Like, standing on a berm. So, like... I was struggling and then like they're watching me do my moto and like I'm just having a hard time and like it's just like think about if you're in a desk job and your boss is hovering over your shoulder you know and it was just like yeah, obviously yeah. I never complained because that's my boss but like I just like see when and it's nothing against them but like see when they would fucking drive out of the track I felt like a sense of relief like oh, I can breathe now I just felt like they were watching my every move and like I was having a hard time adjusting to this new bike and I, I would have crashes and I'm picking myself up and so I, I remember I would start driving to the track and just knowing that it was kind of like they were going to be there uh. and, and like I had driving to the track I had like anxiety right and now I know what it is but then I was like why do I feel so nervous and so tense and like my palms are sweaty and like and I'm not even I'm thinking about the day and I didn't know what was going on and I was pushing through it but I was absolutely miserable inside like and I was just, my anxiety was through the roof. And I dealt with that for like two years. And that's where I really started to notice my anxiety was then. And um, so when I went to Factory Husky on the next year is when I felt a bit of relief because I was like, I just wasn't being watched all the time, you know? So it's just like, I don't know that's where my anxiety first started from and it's gnarly that i'll go through periods where i don't have anxiety for months i'm dialed you know yeah. but sometimes like i went to um so when i got to when i got to melbourne this year i landed and i was super jet lagged and i don't drink coffee anymore because i had panic attacks last year i had like two yeah. of them and the first one was so gnarly i went to the hospital and they did the akg and everything i mean like i thought it was dying i says like I'm having a heart attack, like, like I'm going to die. And it sounds so dramatic, but until you have one and experience the feeling you have inside, yeah. like it's a feeling you've never had and you, you literally feel like you're going to die. So Sarah drove me to the hospital and I'm like, fucking like, and then what I started, put it on? I don't know. And then like, I got to the hospital, they did all the tests and stuff. And then I started to calm down a bit. And then I, you know, they did AKG and blood tests and everything. And, checked out okay but even two weeks after i felt off i didn't feel right so anyways back to my story with um i landed in melbourne and i haven't been drinking caffeine due to that those panic attacks so i'll have caffeine here and there so i had a um coffee when i landed with my friend eris and straight after the coffee we went to this recovery center because i was like let's do a little sauna uh and then go in the ice bath it was a cold plunge and then I think it'll help me. So went in the sauna for 20 minutes, which was probably too long. Went straight into the ice, the cold plunge and I'm in there and then I'm feeling like I'm feeling uh. off. My heart's starting to like really pump like, and I'm like, oh fuck that, that, that feels, I was like, that feels a little weird. And then my friend Eris walked off to like get a towel and whatever. And I'm sitting by myself. So I get out, I sit on the, the ledge, then my heart's just starting to, this thing's pumping hard and on its own. And I'm like, feeling like i'm dying inside like i feel like this is the end of the road i'm fucking done 
And like I said, I know it sounds dramatic, but anyone that's experienced this knows like it's fucking, it's gnarly. So I'm like trying to breathe. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm about to tell Eris, like call an ambulance. Like I'm fucking dying. I'm having a heart attack. And they're like, oh, mate, it's because of the coffee and the hot and cold. Like, just, just here, you want some water? I was like, yeah, give me water. So I'm pounding water. I'm just trying to flush this coffee out or whatever it was. And then, like, I start trembling. I'm shaking like a leaf. And I'm like, fuck, like, this ain't good. And then they're like, you got to move, mate. You got to, you got to, you can't just sit still. Like, get moving. So we go, we get up, we go for a walk. We go for like a 15 or 20 minute walk. And, uh. I start to calm down a bit, but I start, I kind of have heart palpitations and I'm like, I don't know. I started to calm down and then good enough to get in the truck. We go back to the hotel and I just like dim the lights and just laid there for a bit and just took some deep breaths. And like, I started to calm down and went to the dinner. We had a team dinner that night and like, I was just getting better enough. And I'm telling people the story, like Boyd, my mechanic and stuff. And they're laughing at me. They just think this is hilarious. I'm like, no, like, I'm serious. I had an episode. Like, I literally thought I was going to die. <laughs> and, and like, it's like they, people that haven't experienced this don't understand how gnarly these yeah. panic attacks are. Like, I don't even, I, I was Googling everything, right? Like, I, I get back to my room. I'm like, heart pumping. And then I was typing in panic attack symptoms. I thought it was an anxiety attack. It could have been both. But I'm Googling it and yeah. all the symptoms is what I was having. Like trembling like a leaf, hands were sweaty, um, fucking just heart pumping on its own. I was like, okay, that sounds exactly what I have. So anyways, next day I had a race anyways and I felt a bit better by then. But dude, like it's gnarly and I've never experienced this stuff. And, and they say with age, things like this come with your health. And I'm like, it's fucking scary. I, I don't. I don't wish that upon anybody. There's a, there's a couple of things I don't wish upon yeah. people, even my worst enemy. There, there's a chain snapping or a bike locking up off a jump <laughs> or a panic attack. That's three things. So, um, yeah, that shit was scary. It was, it was just something that I don't want to experience ever again. And there was a few things that triggered it. I think it was the caffeine and then it was the hot cold, maybe not too much sleep from the plane, but it was definitely, uh, scary yeah dude they're, they're gnarly i remember um i had like my first like what i recognized as a like a, a panic attack um oh fuck i oh, know there you are. then it wasn't until i started meditating that i figured out what anxiety was because like there was one day i remember i just had a coffee and then I went home from work. It was when Rones just started working for me. So like the podcast was like doing good and there was all the pressures that come with that. And then I had a, my first employee. So then I had to like pay somebody every week. And then I was like in a shitty relationship. Like I kind of wanted to break up with my chick and like all that sort of deal. Yeah. And so like before this, before this though, I, uh, oh yeah. So then I, I ended up like I went home and I sat down and I like did like a meditation because I was like physically just anxious, like sweating, crazy heartbeat, couldn't breathe properly, like almost had a headache, just my mind couldn't focus on anything. So you know, I went, I went, sat on the couch and then it just became like insanely obvious in like a few minutes of meditation. It ended up going away completely in like probably four minutes, I reckon, by doing this meditation. But I just got up and was like, 
you have like anxiety and that's a like i could map that feeling that i first called anxiety onto like so many things in my life i was like dude you've just been like you've actually had crazy anxiety like your whole life but you just pushed mm-hmm. through it you know because mm-hmm. if you don't know what it is it's just like some weird kind of you just feel like you're a bit fucked up i guess but um and then the first like panic attack i had was yeah like all those things of like i wanted to break out with my chick i just like i had just this crazy fucking stress it just felt like it all come up to a peak and then i just had like a full-blown panic attack in bed and i didn't say nothing like my chick was sleeping next to me and i it was one of those deals where the same like you, i was like fuck i need to go to the hospital like i'm fully cooked but i kind of related it back to like that weed experience so i just kind of like stuck it out mm-hmm. and then yeah that that was my first like panic attack that then i look back and i was like dude you've had a lot of panic attacks like in your in your life over the years and a lot of it was at night and i used to think they were like night terrors um but yeah nowadays like i definitely find it like very helpful to talk about it because i feel like a lot of people at least have and i don't know if you get this too like because you wear the garmin like do you look at like your stress meter on your watch i got the polar but uh no i don't but um carry on yeah oh so there's like on the gar- i got the garmin and there's like a stress meter on the garmin and like literally when i'm like I, I can tell now that i'm like physically anxious but like mentally okay if what, that makes what, what's sense. your current heart rate uh, right so, now uh, says 73 okay we're, we're at 58 over here that's funny though i just seen 58. it 58 yeah. boys chilling <laughs> but um but but yeah so like there's the the, like you can have a physical feeling of anxiety but not mentally be like anxious or stressed about anything so i think that like the more you kind of learn about it and the more you understand it like notice it when it comes like you can kind of i feel like it's just a very normal part of life but if Mm. you don't have like a mental framework around it and like how to deal with it yeah. it can just be like probably like what it was for you at the ktm test track days right. when you're driving to work like dude I, I still get crazy that that feeling that you got explained at the test track like whenever i haven't done jujitsu for a while and i go to the gym especially an open mat or like a new gym or a comp like dude that shit's just fucking there constantly you know yeah so i yeah. think it's just like yeah the more you like talk about it and understand yeah. it and kind of map it onto different experiences that you've had it's sort of like a way to deal with it you know yeah no so it's kind of funny you said that so mine definitely added with a lot of stress so this is actually a really good story so so this started so 2020 uh oh i'll restart this so 2021 i raced all year with the torn acl Okay. my knee was torn all year yeah. and I kept it quiet from the team because obviously for me unfortunately I'm always known to get injured so I was always on a one-year contract so every year I'm fighting tooth and nail for a contract I, uh, last time I was the two year was with factory KTM so everyone would always give me one year and it, it was stressful so 2021 um, Jason and Zach got both injured and I raced all outdoors with a torn ACL and had Epstein bar. So I was trying to stick out for the team, be a good team player and, you know, have a Husky 450 out there and, uh, you know, maybe it will help me for the next, for the 2022 season. So, um, 
I'm racing with this knee and Epstein bar and I'm just like, dude, this is this is the most measurable summer of my life. Like I'm still cracking some top tens, but like it's not good. My knee's shifting. Like every time I break it, I can feel my knee like moving. So oh, I tell Scuba, dude. this is where I have a lot of respect for Scuba. I tell Scuba, hey, um, so I've been racing with my knee torn and I haven't said anything because I feel like you guys aren't going to want to hire me if uh, if you know it's torn because I need to get it fixed. He's like, all right, well, let's just keep it quiet for now and we'll uh, we'll, we'll see uh, how things play out. So... Uh, there was a certain date where Zach Osborne was deciding if he was going to retire or not. And on that date, pretty uh, much, yeah. he uh, would say he was going to retire. So that's what I got told. So I'm racing out, you know, I'm, I'm cracking top tens. And Scuba says, hey, Zach says he's retiring and you have the spot. So I was like, oh, yes. So I says, this is, this is pretty wild right here. So I says, hey. Scuba, I found this doctor in Canada. He does ACLs. It's called a Lars ligament. They go in. It's like a. It's almost like a thick shoelace, or it's like a rope, and they do your ACL like that. Yeah, yeah. I've done four ACLs already. I'm not doing the whole six month deal. I can't afford to do it. I was like, I can do this, and and they say I could be back riding in three or four weeks from an ACL. He was like, wow. he was like, you think that works? Like, who do you know that's gotten it? So like, there's a, uh, Davy Millsaps actually told me he got it and it worked really good. I was like, so, um, I'm going to go get it. I want to miss the last three outdoors and I want to just go get this knee fixed, but keep it completely quiet because if the team find out that I'm getting an ACL reconstruction, they're not going to want to rehire me, right? Like they, they, that's why like sometimes you got to keep injuries quiet in the sport because for me I was always on a one year contract so it was always scraping tooth and nail so I go to Canada low key get surgery and um, didn't tell a soul I went straight from Bud's Creek I got like a eighth overall there and then I went straight to Canada got the surgery go to cross back into Canada or into America after like five days of recovering, they, they call my name at the airport. I had COVID. So now I'm stuck in Canada. I'm stuck. What? I'm stuck in Canada. I'm thinking, oh no, like Alden and, and everyone's going to like be wondering where I am. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck. So I was like, well, they, they literally, I was in a wheelchair and Sarah had the bags. They literally at the airport just pushed me on the sidewalk. And then that was it. And I'm like, what the hell? So I stay in a in a uh, I stay in a hotel for like five or six days. I'm like, dude, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get back home. So I take a at home COVID test, right? It said negative. I'm like, sweet. So I just hopped. Me and Sarah hopped in an Uber, went to the land crossing. I'm on crutches. She's carrying the bags to the land. There's not even a sidewalk at the at the border crossing, right? Get to the border, and they're like, the the guys come walking towards us, like, oh, what, like what are you guys? doing and like he's like oh i just got knee surgery we're going we're going back home we're just whatever so the guy seen my rock star bags and like knew who i was and stuff so we zipped through the border and then they booked us a taxi so then we go from my taxi to this airport get a rental car at that airport we weren't flying out of drive from there to albany new york and then um hop on a plane get to uh 
Orlando. And then finally I'm home. I'm like, oh, thank God. At least I'm home, right? So uh, I'm healing up, but I have the Husky ride. Things are good. We're, we got the knee fix. We got the Husky ride. We're dialed. So I'm like, okay, sweet. Like I'm healing up. Then I get a phone call. Hey, so uh, Zach decided he wants to come back and uh, you no longer have the ride. I'm like, no oh. fucking way. I was like, there's no way. So now I have no ride. Just got my knee fixed. I'm I'm already like, I already get stressed as it is. I'm super stressed out. Zach wanted to make a comeback. And so I have this relationship with Rockstar and uh, we're trying to work like a super cross only deal, but still be on the Husky. But um, it was kind of a weird deal. Like in, and Husky didn't really want me. I, I, I got the vibe and whatever. So anyways, long story short, I'm stressed to the bits and, um, I ended up having that panic attack is when I had it. So I was just so stressed cause I didn't even know if I had a job or anything, but anyways, after that, I'm laying in bed, scuba calls me, Hey, got good news. What? Zach tried right in a couple days. His back's not good enough. He's retiring. You have the ride back. I'm just like, oh my God. I was like, you don't even know what I've went through to, you don't, I, I was just like, I was just like about to cry. I'm like, dude, I fucking went to Canada secretly, got my knee done. I fucking had this gnarly panic attack where I literally thought I was having a heart attack and going to die and leave this earth. And I was just so grateful. So back on track, back on Rockstar Husky. The knee took about six to eight weeks, came back, rode on Supercross, like as if nothing happened, as if like, you know, I didn't get a knee surgery. And that's, yeah, it was so crazy because like I literally had to fight a different country, get my knee fixed and keep it so quiet. And it was so hard because people were texting me like, hey, where you at? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like not texting back and uh, it was gnarly. So to come back from that, then come into the 22 season and uh it worked out the plan worked out but it that's the stress that i went through was like i had the right i didn't have the right just got an acl reconstruction and then boom we got the right and uh off we went in, into the 22 season so it was gnarly dude <laughs> it's so gnarly the shit that you've had to go through in your career like if you add up all the injuries all of the the team stuff like everything that you've that you've had to go through i mean it's just fuck it's gnarly it's so gnarly just and like, the pain even like the pain from surgeries and recovery yeah and that was like the hard thing too was like like i said before i was always on one year contract so i raced a lot with like injuries and like a torn knee and this and that and i never said anything to you know how to keep it quiet and then you're getting a bit of backlash because you're fucking suck out there or you're struggling and and but the fans don't know what you're going through but so you know what i mean like i'm i got to keep that quiet because yeah. i need a job for next year and if they know that i need my shoulder operated on or my knee they're not going to want to hire me there's other guys that they can get so that's why like it was tough for me like in 2021 racing with that torn acl all year my knees just shifting i'm taping it i'm i'm trying so hard just to just to get by so Trying to be healthy is important and uh, makes the world of difference, you know? 
Yeah, did and so like the team had no idea that your ACL was torn. Like you were just on doing everything in secret. Like really, scuba, dude. Shout yeah. out to Scuba. What a Scuba G. is literally. He 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 was like, once, you know, once we thought that I had the right the first time. He's like, okay, go get that fixed now. So I went and got it fixed, and uh, yeah, he was a real G. And then. And then I got the right pulled back from me because Zach came back. I'm like, no fucking way. Then I got it back. And then, um, yeah, very grateful though. My years at Husky was really good. And now I'm staying with the Firepower Honda team. And uh, that's really exciting. You know, I haven't rode a Honda really in my career. Well, I haven't at all. So uh, it's something new and it's exciting. And uh supercross only with the worlds and uh australia so i'm looking forward to it this year like i I think uh if we get the bike good and me feeling good it can be a good year and it'll be fun to go to australia to do that series and but i'll live in australia for a couple months with the family and i think that will be so fun it's gonna be so sick it'll be so fun like it's kind of weird because i've always wanted to do that towards the end of my career is like you know travel around and race and explore and it's pretty cool that this is what racing's brought to me, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah. it's good. So well, I wanted to ask, cause I, I don't really even know, like what, what's the connection with you and Rockstar being so tight? Like, what do you, what do you think that whole deal, you know, like, what does that stem from? Do you think? Cause they've like really been instrumental in keeping you oh, like in a job at times. Dude, I have Rockstar family for sure. Like even this year they've kept me, I think, um, so I joined the team and like social media is huge for Rockstar, right? Like that, they, that's, that's what they, they don't care about if, I mean, obviously they want to see you win races. That's number, number one, but they liked what else I brought to the table other than racing. They, they liked my socials and stuff like that. And, um, I think where it really got to their attention was during COVID, uh, Rockstar, we had to do those Rockstar posts once a week yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) and i always like got kind of creative and made it funny and whatever and uh you know there were some guys that did it and it was like they you could tell it was just kind of forced where man i would have a bit of a laugh with it and it got really good numbers and stuff and uh i think they just kind of seen my value in promoting and and whatever so uh you know i remember we did also that with husky um during the we were stuck in covid and it, it was called uh i don't know we did some sort of deal where we had to do something every week and you had to send them all your insights and my insights compared yeah, to okay. the rest of the team were huge like and that's a big value you know what i mean so um yeah i had really good insights and they seen all that and um i don't know just a good relationship yeah yeah and i mean it's such a it's such a good example for people out there that are, you know, like trying to do what you're doing or early on in their career. It's like, if you really invest in the fans and if you invest in your personality and like really mm-hmm. show who you are, like it, it, you just don't know when you're fucking 10 years deep into your career and you're on a 450 and you're getting one year deals and the team kind of half doesn't want you to be there, but yeah. fucking bang, yeah. you're back there because of the gold star on your helmet that because you put in a bit of extra effort through COVID, you know, you're actually yeah. getting the the benefits of it, you know. I just, and that's like... Some people, they don't... Sorry. And that's like Grandpa Earl, like, 
dude, I did Grandpa Earl yep. years ago, and we just did it for a laugh. Like my good friend Chris, he filmed it, edited it. We we uh, he had a he works at Universal Studios because he was a stuntman at that time, and his buddy did the makeup. And he's like, hey, and I was, I think I just watched Bad Grandpa or something. And I was like, hey, let's, let's do yeah. this for more cross. I think it'd be funny. So he got his buddy to come do the makeup. It was like four hours long to get the makeup done. We went to Pala, totally winged it. No, like we just winged it and uh, fuck dude, 20 plus million views on YouTube. Like the thing blew up and then we were doing bike giveaways. Crazy, and I, was, bro. I was giving back and giving little kids bikes and stuff like that. And, uh, it was just like everything was just really positive so um you know i talked to tommy Cyril now and tommy is so happy where he is in his career he's in his 30s he just races the british he doesn't race much at all he's focusing hard on the youtube enjoying that and he's like dude i'm the happiest i've been in so long you know because racing is a lot of pressure and stuff like that and we put in our time in our dues like we've we've went through the grind like why not have a bit of time to enjoy it you know, and so he's just doing YouTube, yeah. racing the British, winning that, um, representing sponsors good and making good money. So it's like, that's what, you know, is a little bit of what I would like to do. But uh, obviously I want to do Supercross one more year and then we'll see how World Supercross takes off. But definitely do World Supercross this year in Australia. And then if 2024 comes and maybe just do World Supercross in Australia, you know, kind of the Brayton thing, like can still make really good money and if i'm still half decent on a bike then why not you know yeah and i think that dude tommy's a great example of it and it's funny like probably the last dude that you would expect to like do the youtube thing too exactly <laughs> you know like he's a he's so lucky but that's to have why ed, it works though. i think ed literally yeah yeah ed has does everything for him but i actually just noticed tommy started to edit a couple of videos on his own but ed literally is tommy's backbone he he set up his merch he does like it's quite funny he's very lucky to have ed that's for sure but tommy's he's doing good and and uh it's funny like i definitely didn't expect him to be the big youtube guy but yeah he's enjoying it and having fun and making money off it so why not oh and I, but i think that's why it works though is because like tommy's not the youtube guy and then exactly. he's got ed and ed doesn't really the the best thing about ed too is like he's got nothing to prove like he needs nothing yeah. in his life yeah. he's no, so exactly. fucking, he's so yeah. dialed yeah he doesn't need to be famous he doesn't mm -hmm. he needs not like he's just doing a good job for tommy and tommy's like not the fucking youtube personality that's just like got a legit youtube channel you know yeah, yeah, it's like Tom the perfect recipe and then you've got you got billy that's yeah. doing his thing it's such a perfect little crew and mm -hmm. like they're, they're gonna kill it for years you know yeah. years after it stops yeah no for sure they've done well and they got a good group good good chemistry and uh they're enjoying it they're having fun with it and that's what it's all about so like it's even like dude i think phil nicolay could have a sick youtube like if he if he had 100 bro if you have the right filmer and the right person to edit your videos where it's quite funny like that's half the battle i feel like a lot of people just film writing and then like you need a personality like you need like funny shit like and it's it's hard like and it, it sucks to be always so clickbait because i hate that but at the end of the day <laughs> uh, guilty <laughs> yeah but at the end of the day like clicks equals views views equals money right so it's like yeah it, it, it sucks it's come down to that like you know deegan's obviously clickbait all the time you know like i remember like eight 
eight year old on 450 or something like that and but that's what yeah, gets yeah. the views and it's like i did grandpa earl 80 year old grandpa shreds dirt bike like you know i, I think that that topic hit harder than just saying grandpa earl or something you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. so right. it's like well i mean dude it's the there's so much that goes into no, the go. youtube with the like with the thumbnail you, you you know exactly the thumbnail the the filming the editing um <clears throat> that the title all that crap like there's there's a lot that goes into it that that attracts people's attention you know and the consistency that's where Bartry films has done really really well for himself that dude has been posting every week for like five years and his fan base is insane and like i got a better respect for Bartry for that like his he works hard at it like that's that's a grind he edits it all himself and Bartry was actually the first to help me guide me on how to um do my merch like how to set it up so i always got a better respect for Bartry for sure yeah and i think the the cool thing with buttery is like he he makes a, a hard thing look real easy like his secret sauce is he makes it look like he doesn't give a fuck but right, like he yeah. actually is he, he's grinding you know <laughs> yeah but he's he's giving people the content that us racers can't he's he's in the party scene yeah he's getting fights he's writing he's he's filming everything and getting a bit of drama and people want to see that people want to click on that but if i was to do that it wouldn't be that professional you know or it wouldn't look yeah. good but um that's he's kind of going the the milk boys route you know like partying with the fans and shit like that and I, it's perfect like it works that's 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 what works for him and it's perfect you know and then you have axel who's just phenomenal on a bike and has bike so much bike skill and he's so fun to watch and obviously he's he doesn't hit the youtube like super hard but like he still does quite a lot of videos but yeah he's crushing it as well and same as raha Colby's doing really good too. So yeah. It's actually, it's YouTube. Everyone's doing it now. Obviously, Deegan's, Reed's. So it's like everyone's doing it, you know? Yeah. And I think that the people, um, like for me, I mean, well, I put all my eggs in the YouTube basket, obviously. And like, it's definitely paid off pretty fucking solid for us. But yeah, like I really had to grind through the, and I still deal with the comments of like the clickbait thing. But I'm like, dude, I'm not doing it for you. Like, I'm not doing it for you that knows that this is clickbait like i'm trying to i'm trying to attract a broader fan base like grandpa earl got 22 million views there's not 22 million motocross and supercross fans that yeah. know everything about the sport you know so it's like you end up with this big group of like actual fans that watch and then to them it's like clickbait but it's like to other people it's not clickbait it's like we're just trying to get people to watch this video and it's like you you get in and you hope that they i guess like become a, a fan out of it but like mm -hmm. we were the first channel in like a media lane to do what we did and yeah. now like i can go through youtube on every other person's channel that does media in moto and their thumbnails and their titles the way that they say they're all yeah. like us yeah you know so it's yeah. like it, we, that's just how we it goes right out how to get people I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Like, I think it's good. Yeah. You know? It works. Because there's I mean, a certain it, what you way do works that you have to operate. Yeah, yeah. What you do works and it's like anything. Like, it's like anything. Even in racing, if, if someone's wet dominating races and he's fucking eating shit for breakfast, dude, I'm going to go eat some shit for breakfast too. You know what I mean? So, if you see something <laughs> that works, everyone's going to catch on to it, you know? So, uh, yeah. It's, it's just funny, the whole YouTube thing, but... 
it's something cool and and uh, another way to make money, right? Yeah, and and do you think about like when you retire, retire, what you're gonna do, or like, do you have you been able to make enough investments and like be smart enough over your career to where like you're probably gonna be all right and you're not gonna have to like go and fucking do kitchens with your dad or like have you thought much about that because that's one thing about the youtube stuff is that like dude i'm a fucking peanut if i can make money out of like the sport then surely you know like there's long there's like longevity in it but have you given much thought about that shit yeah it kind of crosses my mind here and there but it's tough like what's that next step after racing it's it's hard all i've known you know my whole life so um i don't know i I don't really know what exactly i want to do it'd be cool to kind of be still riding be an ambassador you know and have companies that Mm. i'm still getting paid by that and but i i've been really smart with my money throughout my whole career and with investments and uh my mom's been really on top of that ever since i was a rookie i've been uh, i've been really smart with that so I'm pretty good on that. Like, I don't have to stress it too hard. But, you know, when you retire, the f- the first thing that, like, I see a lot of retired guys do is do nothing. And I think sometimes that's the worst because their yeah. brains start to go crazy and they don't know what's next. And, and I, I, I just think, uh, I don't know. You got to keep doing something. You got to keep moving or you'll get depressed. And you see a lot of boxers and celebrities basketball players they they retire then dude they just kind of lose the plot and uh become alcoholics this and that like you gotta have goals still and whether i kind of like what nick way has like he has three writers yeah that that listen to him and he's got a good program and he coaches them you know and he's still training and keeping fit and he's still involved in the sport and he's still achieving goals like if they win i'm sure that feels great for him right yeah 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 it's that i think that's cool but it would have to be the right writers for me because you don't want i I would never want to coach a guy that doesn't put the effort in or you know like all the guys that nick has like they listen to him and they do what they're told and they work good as a team and that's like something that i think would be cool uh not too many guys just like two or three uh but that that would be that's something i've thought about but like i said you just you don't want to have some writer that's moaning and complaining and doesn't want to do the work and doesn't have that drive so um that's one thing or i don't know i don't know what else there's you could i, I could always do uh writing schools um uh, i think ag Cantanzaro does really well off his he promotes it well yeah, he's murdering it um and you know if we, we did writing camps would be cool as well who knows? I have little Ewan. He'll be growing up by that time and we'll see what he's up to. So I haven't fully made a decision of what I would like to do or whatever, but I still like to have the freedom. I, I would never do a nine to five yeah. or something crazy like that. Like I, I've saved my money really well, um, but I still want to keep busy for sure because that's what keeps you going. You know, that's, it's like my dad. My yeah. dad's never stopped. He's always on the go. Like like he's just a workhorse. And, and I feel like at his age, like, the minute you stop, pull the reins in, and you just flop on the couch, you're going downhill. That my yeah. dad's, yeah. Oh man, don't want to. I think he's sixty-four, maybe sixty-five. 
I think he's 65. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. he don't stop. Like, in the summertime, he made me get rid of my landscapers, and he get made me get rid of my pool guy. Because he, they weren't doing a good job, and he wanted to do it because they're not fucking doing it right. So... He's out there in the blistering heat, 100 degrees, and I'm like, fuck that. It's, it's too hot for you to do this. Like, I, I can't do it because I'm training and riding all day. But he loves it. He, he's out there sweating, weed whacking, doing my lawn, doing my pool. And that's just what keeps him going. That's exercise. He's moving and still going. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, at the same time, I'm like, ah, and uh, I'm like, dad, I can get someone to do this. He's like, no, I don't, I fucking, I don't, I don't like the way they're doing it. You know, he's just typical Scotsman, but <laughs> you know, like I said, he's always moving, always on the go. And the minute you stop and you just, that, that, I think that's the minute your health goes downhill. Yeah, dude. No, I completely agree. It's crazy how lucky you are as well to have the parents that you've had, not even in like the upbringing, but when you're pro, like your mom being dialed with your money and then just like, man, how many people do you know that have had their parents like fuck with their yeah, money yeah. or just take stuff from like, and then you spend your whole life having this career and then you have to go get a job because your parents essentially fucking jacked a bunch of money or like a bad agent doesn't always have to be your yeah, parent, but like yeah. bad decisions, bad people, bad investments. Like I know a bunch of guys that have invested their money that they want into companies that were dog shit companies yeah, that went bust. Yeah, like, yeah. fuck, that's such a minefield out there that you've seen like, yeah, you know, avoid, yeah, avoid. no, it's like I said, it's important to have the right people around you. You know, my mom and dad, like my mom's always like, I've always been a mommy's boy. Right. So like I tell my, I used to tell my mom <laughs> everything. Like she, there's nothing that she didn't know. Right. But my dad, I'd always keep away. Cause he would just always fucking get pissed off and whatever. But like they were just always a very concrete part of me and like getting me in the right direction and my dad was the type of guy he would give his shirt off his back for anybody he would help anybody you know yeah, my dad used to 100 so he was like a finishing carpenter so he would always do those i don't see this happen a lot in this day and age obviously fucking inflation but my dad always did so many freebie jobs for people like he would bust his ass build them a i don't know they'll buy the material and then he'll build them whatever make it a fucking a desk or whatever or something for a showroom like he's really good on the tools and and they'd be like okay how much do we owe you and he'll ah fuck don't worry about it you know a lot of people that's just yeah. that's, that's kind of an old school thing but like a lot of people don't do that anymore and uh that's the kind of guy he was so or he is but um yeah i'm lucky to have him sarah like i have such a good group of people my friends like it's kind of funny like this is like the old saying that your your parents would tell you is like so you like so you are who you surround yourself with right like so yeah, surrounding yeah. yourself with good people is just so important and i feel like when kids hang around with the wrong crowd it's when they're getting the drugs and fucking they just go down a bad path and sometimes they don't come back from it so i've been lucky to uh yeah be here and uh have have good people does it ever um do it ever feel weird to because there's a point where like i'm just gonna assume i've never seen your fucking bank account but i'm gonna assume there's like you become a millionaire mm -hmm. you win championships you win a bunch of races is it weird to like because you're one of the guys that it never you'd never think that you were a millionaire per mm -hmm. like there's there's a certain like fucking aura that comes with like yeah that guy's a millionaire yeah like is it weird to just be like you get to that level 
but you sort of nothing changes about you. Like you exactly. just never really change. Like that's uh, the same. How yeah, does that, that like? Have yeah, you ever I mean, thought about that? I, I I know what you mean, but I think like just don't change who you are just because of your bank account, right? Like everyone that knows me knows like, oh, Dino's a cheap bastard and fuck, I am half yeah, bro. But <laughs> at the same time, like, at the same time, like, I fucking, I, uh, I'm not, you know, I, I spend a lot of money on, on things or helping someone or, um, I fucking always buy my friends dinner and they're always trying to call me a cheap bastard. And like, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, uh, I don't know. It's like same as, same as Jason, dude, he fucking wears his old pair of vans that he always wears and he uh he's a fucking tight ass if you want to speak about that but he's driving hey jason's driving a prius a toyota like electric car with a bike rack (laughs) on the back but he's smart with his money he jason's a guy that has a lot of money in his bank account i I don't even know that for a fact but i know because obviously yeah you know yeah yeah. you know and like he's uh made good investments because where the fuck is it yeah, like, like, dude, me and Jason have done shit that, like, we can't even talk about. But, like, he bought this house in Hollywood, <laughs> in the center of Hollywood. And, like, it was almost like, uh, you ever seen uh, Ballers? And it was, like, the fun house. Do you remember? Have you seen that or no? Yeah, yeah, They got yeah, this house. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. we would go there in the off season and, like, we would, like, send it out in L.A. And, like, I was like, damn, this guy's crazy for buying, like, a millions and millions of dollar house in in hollywood right so he has it but he was never really there a lot of the time he'd rent it out and stuff like that and then he uh dude he sold that thing and i bet you he made millions off of it you know so he's smart with his money makes good investments but he's still like same old you know jason it's it's quite funny but um yeah i just don't think you need to change who you are no matter you know what your status is yeah dude there's a i mean i just respect it like i think it's i think it's cool it's hard to i think it's hard to make money and then not think about ways that you could spend that money to make it look like you make money you know right you know what i mean like it's a there's like a weird thing that it's like thoughts that start to enter into your brain and i'm sure that the higher up you get but then the thing is like i know people that have they've kind of like they've beat the game like they've clocked the game then there's just money's never going to be like a thing that they ever have to worry about mm-hmm. but then they're the people that will be the first to tell you like oh yeah it's it's like does it money doesn't buy happiness like that whole thing is true you know like it, it yeah, shouldn't sure. change you but you see some people just get so lost in the source until they oh. until they like get to that point yeah like it's it's like it that that money don't buy happiness is 100 percent true like I've never bought myself a nice car my whole career. Totally could have after my second year. Just never really cared that much. And I was like, ah, I always got a free truck from either Tulip Escondido or Paradise Chevy. Yeah. So we were having the kid and Sarah, this is like Sarah drove a 2008 Nissan Altima. Fucking roof is caved in. Like she was like <laughs> out in the privateer sticks, dude. So I was like, all right, we're going to get a nice car, right? And, uh, so we got, I, I spent a lot of money on this car, a nice Mercedes and, uh, way more than I expected to pay. And I got the car, nothing's changed. You know, I'm not like super stoked yeah, yeah. that I have the car. Like I still like feel the same. Like now I see the car and I still lose, I'm, I'm driving a, uh, 
I'm driving a Toyota Tacoma that Toyota Escondido gave me. And I'm just as happy driving the Tacoma than I am driving the Mercedes. Like, dude, the Mercedes is nice. Like, fuck, it's got every switch and everything in there. Fucking, there's too much going on. There's like massagers in the seats and shit. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm just as happy driving the Tacoma though. Like, it, it gets me from A to B. And like, I just think, I don't know. It, I'm I'm happy whether I had the car or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, it's just cool to watch. Uh, I think it's like fairly common in moto. Like I think yeah. it's because people come from such like humble beginnings, but it's always cool to watch. Like, but that being said, I have seen other guys that it, it hasn't been like that, you know, and that ended up really fucking shit up. But I remember, I remember having dinner with Jason one night in Claremont, and uh, it was when he first went on Alda. I'm pretty sure, fuck, it would have been maybe. It was like first 450 year, I'm pretty sure. Like the first time he went to Alden's. Mm -hmm. Was it? Yeah, okay. So he, we're there, we went out to dinner and uh, oh, we, were, we, were at his, we were at his place and I was like, how long have you been here for? And he's like, oh, like five months or something. And like everything <laughs> was propped up on boxes. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, and literally a mattress no, on the floor. There was no furniture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like no furniture oh, yeah. anywhere. Everything was like a box, a TV on a box. He's like, He's like, bro, why the fuck would I buy a stand for the TV when it comes in a box <laughs> that it yeah. can stand on? Yeah. And like the craziest thing though, dude, is we went out and we're at this, uh, we, we do, well, I don't know why we just started talking about money for some reason. And, um, I was with Wes and, uh, it was like me, me, Wes and, and Ando. And then we just got deep talking about money and Ando fucking laid out his entire career, bro. He's like, I'm going to win. He's like, I've made this much money so far. I've got this invested. I got this invested. I got this invested. I'm going to win. A f I, he's like, I know for sure I'll win a Supercross championship. And then he's like, when I win that money, I'm putting it here. And then he goes, then I'll have like X many years on my career. And then he goes, and then I'm going to be a test rider and I'm just going to make my 40 grand a year. And then I'll just spend my four. Like he just fully mm -hmm. mapped out his whole career. And then yeah. he ends up winning the soup. Like he did everything that he said he was going to do too. I was like, I was blown away and then double blown away again. The night that he won the title. I was like, this yeah. motherfucker is just on some different shit. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's funny. That's Jason for you, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I, one thing that like does kind of bother me is like if people know that you have money or whatever, and then they kind of, they treat you differently. Like they expect, like they expect you to yeah. buy them shit. Like, or like you go for lunch and like, just cause you have more money, they're like looking at you to pay the bill and shit. I, I don't like when people yeah. treat you differently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, like like i don't know it's just that's the only thing that kind of bugs me but no i've done okay i'm not fucking the highest paid that's for sure but i've just been smart with it and um very lucky and, and grateful to be in that position you know yeah yeah no and I, I just think it's uh it speaks to what you're saying before about just having like that right crew around you know like yeah. it can just be the difference between being able to have options at the end of your career versus you know like just having mm -hmm. no nowhere to go and like fuck it breaks your heart when you see guys that they've made a lot of money in their career and they just haven't for whatever reason you know and a lot of times it's not like it's even their their fault to a degree but yeah you, know, you, you have to go out and get a nine to five and it's like fuck that dude that dude did way too much mm -hmm. shit to have to go through that you know yeah well it's kind of like um 
there's like some basketball players and stuff that I mean they're known to go broke because they just sometimes they just spend it ridiculously but like there's just yeah there's I remember there was this one basketball player Deontay West or something I don't know do you know who that is I don't even know nah. if I'm saying his I don't I don't even know if I'm saying his name right but he was like homeless and on drugs and I think he's clean now but like there was pictures surfacing of him like on the street and it was like the saddest thing to see and then like yeah I I, I seen the video and he was like on the street and he looked rough and then I'm like fuck that's sad and then I still went on Google you know and then you see him in the NBA like putting up good numbers and like pictures and yeah, you're like just jacked to fuck yeah you're just like fuck, yeah. what where did it go wrong you know everyone's always fighting a battle but yeah it's very important to have the right people around you for sure so you don't go down that path well even like it just sort of came to my mind then but like you were in the izzy stroop generation like you were actually i was a little in bit the generation that they, just a bit past yeah, yeah but they're, that, they're pro still that were, big big amateur contracts yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. Their contracts were crazy. So, 07, I was in Schoolboy, and uh, it was that year, it was Kennard, Stroop, and Ezzy, and everyone would line up to the fences to watch that race, and those were the three big guys coming in, you know, and, uh, you know, it was a shame how that turned out for those guys, but, yeah, it's, it's, don't, you just can't get yourself wrapped up, you know, with the wrong crowd. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm sure they both have learned their lesson and know now, but it's easy to do for sure. I've hung out with crowds that I know I shouldn't have been around. And thankfully, I knew I shouldn't have been around that crowd and just quietly exited and carried on and focused. But some people have too much fun and they're partying or whatever. And it's just, hey, try try some of this, you know, try some of that. Ooh, yeah. and you're like you try it oh fuck that that's kind of fun that feels good next thing you know you're going down that road so it's very important to to fucking have your head on straight and surround yourself with good people and that's definitely something i would tell the young kids coming up is fucking have good friends that you know have goals and fucking want to succeed and not go down the bad the wrong path you know dude it's so right like you look at the you that old saying like you're the five people you surround yourself with is so true and i mean i look at the group that mm -hmm. i'm in you know it's like it's like realistically it's me my brother and sam we've all got our own businesses yeah we're all going hard yeah and at, at no point at no point do i ever just drop the ball and chill <laughs> like there's just more I, I got up at six o'clock this morning and I had like a bunch of work shit to do before I got here and then I'm straight into this and then it's the last thing I do at night and I'm not trying to say I'm the fucking man but it's like that feels normal to me because of the people that I'm around mm -hmm. like it would it would be way easier for me to not do this if I had other examples in my life of people chilling like mm -hmm. I just don't have people around me that, yeah. are, that are chilling I don't really have people around me that are going down these like crazy bad paths and yeah, then yeah. it sort of almost just feels like a, it feels like a no it's, it's like a zero effort to stay on the right track and dude i actually as i had this thought recently like i actually kind of know i'm a bit of a shithead <laughs> like i'm kind of always down to do like 
kind of sketchy bad things yeah. and I, I, I hadn't really thought about it until like recently i was hanging around with some dudes that like had never done anything bad and i'm like fuck maybe i'm maybe i'm a bit of a shithead yeah but it's nah. like i guess i never got to fully flex that muscle because of what you said like you i've always just been around people that were like doing shit and yeah. like on a path had some goals and worked for it and like no one judges you or tells you that you shit or like because i think that's the thing like people kind of if they're down they want to almost like keep you down in a sense mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like you're right man like it's about who you're around and yeah. like what their values are and like mm -hmm. what they're kind of how they're inf uh influencing your own story yeah no for sure totally agree it's uh yeah i mean there's like me and jason always kind of laugh about it because we're like we kind of have some friends that are a great time. We love to go out and have a <laughs> yeah. few drinks with them, but they'll, we, they won't hear from us during the race season. But when off season comes, we'll hit them up. Hey, what, what are you up to? You know what I mean? Uh, because obviously that's not someone you want to be hanging around while you're in boot camp training. You know what I mean? But we still have some homies that are super cool and, and they always keep it light and fun. And like, it's, it's, funny to talk to them and me and jason are always laughing but we definitely have some some homies that uh like to send and uh you know but we gotta we gotta uh pick and pick and choose when it when it hang with them you know yeah read really read the room on that one yeah 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 exactly so <laughs> it, it's funny though as well like i think this is like real apparent in ufc fighters to where it's like they almost get the pass to just be crazy as fuck because their job is crazy as fuck and then yeah. so like dana white is like oh this dude did this and like fucking got into a fight here or whatever he's like hey man what do you want me to do like yeah. you want me to try and control this dude i'm like paying him to step in an octagon and beat the piss out of this other dude for five five minute rounds like it just is what it is there's like almost an element of that in supercross like if you are prepared like i'm sorry jet lawrence is a fucking psycho Jason Anderson is a fucking psych. Like, all of you guys are just psychopaths. Like, to, to go fifth gear into a set of whoops, do it for 20 laps, like, the jumps are rutted, the rhythm sections are just insane, like, down to the concrete. Like, nah, man. Like, you're not okay. And, like, yeah. to expect that all of you guys are going to be these, like, choir boys and yeah. not have that same, not have that same gear when the after party comes and there's pussy floating around <laughs> and there's fucking yeah it's like you're a savage there and you're also a savage like it just we're the same fucking people you know yeah yeah no for sure for sure that's one thing like actually when you brought up the main events and stuff like like with the ruts and stuff that's that's one thing i wish the fans could see more of because they're always sitting on the side right but some of them are sitting up tall so you can yep. see I wish the TV showed more of a higher, I mean, they, I think they do now, but like yeah, they were doing it for outdoors where you can see the ruts and see how gnarly and technical it is. Because like, that's one thing in the 450 mains is the track just gets beat to shit and it's like deteriorated and it's just, it's gnarly. So like, it's, it's something that the fans need to see, to see like how demanding it gets, you know, it, it's pretty gnarly. Dude, oh man, I completely agree. Like I even said a few months ago it's casey stoner's idea actually like he he fully believes that we should make like a supercross specific tire that's like a maybe it's not one brand makes it so it's like a spec tire but it's like you've got a the knobbies on the middle of the 
the um, tire can only be X amount high. You've got to have X amount of knobbies on the tire itself and they can't be more than a certain distance apart. And then maybe like the side knobs, you can have whatever. But the tracks now, it seems like they're getting so much gnarlier mm-hmm. than they ever did before. And like, that's the thing where you, you don't want to nerf Supercross to where it's like you just, you're rolling around and it's not, it's not gnarly. Like it's kind of got to be gnarly and it always yeah. will be gnarly. But there's got to be, it's, it's like the, the same thing with the training thing. It's like, all right, there's got to be a point where it's like, this is semi-safe for people to do especially when you're asking them to do it for 17 rounds in a row yeah yeah no it's like you you kind of just brought up a point where i started laughing was just like the bodies that got stacked in the whoops this year like there was a round at a2 where Bro. literally they just needed a conveyor belt straight to the alpine star medic unit like they just had to throw <laughs> bodies on there was a line to there was a line to get on to the, there was a line to get on the medic cart dude literally jalik was in line i think jerry robin was in line like those hunter lawrence a2 <laughs> those whoops were eating writers up and i'm hey me and all the 450 boys are standing at the start line just watching writers grenade like there's fucking landmines on those things and i'm like i'm like dude we gotta go do 20 minutes of this they're finishing their minute we got 20 minutes to go through these things like the tracks was like the whoops were so gnarly this year and like i'll just never forget that race where like jolique crashed jerry robin uh moseman hunter lawrence like hunter. dude the, there were so many guys like the, i don't even know what the medic <laughs> the medic unit dudes didn't even know what to do <laughs> they're like they're like fuck wait, which guy it was not luckily i think everyone stayed fairly they were okay but like the whoops were so gnarly this year. Like, Christian was just demolishing everybody in those things. Well, I think uh, A3, was it A3 was a gnarly set too? Because I remember in the, um, I might be wrong, maybe it was A2 that I was thinking about. All of the Anaheim's remember, were gnarly. Well, I remember I was in Bali and I was watching the race with my chick and she just doesn't know, super, like, Supercross not a thing where she comes from. And, um, and yeah, so no idea. And, going through this race and she's like why can only two people do that and it was eli and ando were the mm-hmm. only two people that were like actually like skimming yep. the whoops and every, yep. she was just it was so obvious to someone that's never watched a supercross race that two people were only able to do this one thing but there's 18 other guys out yeah. there and yeah. it's like jason literally won that race it was a five lap shootout between jason and eli yeah. to see who was down to send it through the whoops. Yep. And it only yep. lasted five. That race only lasted five laps. Mm-hmm. And Jason was had the biggest fucking sack to just go, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then there was just one lap where Eli was like, okay, cool, you win, bro, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Like, there's, there's one part of that that's gangster as fuck that as a fan, you're just like, damn, like that's a gnarly dude right there. Yeah. Like, that's the best guy on this night. But then there's also a point where it's like, that's probably not cool. Yeah. No, I, I raced that race. It was gnarly. I remember <laughs> uh, Cooper had fallen in the turn before and I'm behind him. And then he gets up and he was struggling with the whoops. He just like, where he was possession, he just went around the whoops. Like I was going to pass him. <laughs> then he went, I'm like, you motherfucker. And then he hops on right in front of me in front of the whoops. I was like, oh, I was pissed. It was funny. But like, yeah, honestly, that race you're talking about, it was literally who... For us, it was like, if you were willing to, it was like a 50-50 shot. Like, if you're going to make it to the end. Just because, like, they got, they were so big, but they got so cupped and edgy. So, like, 
they just would pet you anyway. And uh, I scammed them the whole main, but it wasn't pretty by any means. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the what's like what's the move? Like, am I a dickhead for saying that there should maybe be some changes that try and just at least uh, we just can't be going to concrete. Like, let's just yeah. let's let's have ruts. But let's not have Dude, ruts in honestly, sections like let's just concrete. take out these twenty-minute races. Let's just go twenty laps. Like I don't think twenty laps is a lot. I don't think we need to be going close to thirty laps where we're like at twenty-seven or twenty-eight. You know, this twenty-minute thing is I think the past three or four years, and like just go back to twenty laps. Like the racing was just as good at the twenty. You know, when Bubba and and Chad and all them are racing, like twenty laps is fine. You know, and 15 laps for the 250 as well. I think that's that's fine, and the track won't get as gnarly. Yeah. So you don't think there's any need to like look at doing like a make a supercross tire, like a tire that's for that track, or uh, I don't know. It sounds like something way down the line. I I like my knobbies. I like my traction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I like my well, uh, mate. I've uh, I've kept you in here for a while. I don't know if you've got anywhere to be. I've I've, uh, I've loved love chatting, man. I feel like we haven't got to. I chat know it's been good. I've minute. wanted to come on here for so long, but that husky story with the knee was one thing that I, I I wanted to tell that story, and I knew I couldn't tell it when I was still on husky. So now that I'm off, I wanted to say that how I had to go secretly get that surgery and stuff. It was pretty pretty interesting, but I don't know. I just wanted to chat the shit with you, and uh, it's been fun. Thanks for having me. Nah, it's been sick. And I actually want to say as well, um, it's just about the show. I've had, there's like a bunch of boys that want to do the show, but all want to wait until they retire. Oh, and really? And it's like, it bums me out to a sense because everyone's like, I love it. I love the show. But I just feel, I don't know whether, I don't know what I've done to like, make the fuck get the rep that like you can't come on the show while you've got a fucking factory ride but i don't know part of me likes it because i guess you guys want to actually say that what's going on but in the meantime i'm like fuck but i don't want you to retire like i know, I I know exactly still going? exactly it's just it's it's just so easy to piss off the wrong people this day and age and then yeah it's 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 a lot's changed um a lot's not so much in in Supercross. I feel like it's always been kind of hard to speak your mind or say what you want to say because it's just so corporate. But like even just like in the world with this whole cancel culture shit, yeah. and like you just have to be so careful. You're walking on eggshells now with what you say and what you do. Like, dude, like if you become super famous, you're done because they're gonna go on your Twitter or your Facebook and like go back to 2009 like i went back on my instagram like way when i first started it and i had to delete some shit i'm like holy fuck that would not fly in this day and age and so like <laughs> it's brutal dude like i don't know where this whole cancel culture like this is it's a gnarly time and age for all this stuff like i can't even believe what it's came to but like just say now the goal in life is just not to be canceled i guess so it's it's crazy dude it's it's gnarly though like so i'm not even gonna speak on like what it is that people i have like people coming after me heavy dude like every every couple months i'll get like an audio note from like a lawyer saying that like they can take all the money that i've got and it's just oh, like literally i'll tell you off air but it's like 
literally nothing like it's the most fucked up thing but it's like the kind of thing that could actually get some momentum if it ever like like you said you ever like fully blow up like it's such a fucking weird it's to the point where like i'm gonna get and there's like there's always stuff in the works too so you know like you're always kind of playing downfield with different guests and shows and like things so like dude it's literally in my head now of like all right i'm gonna hire like a fucking content lawyer that's like fully dialed with all this shit to just go and do exactly what you said just like go through everything that's ever been posted every like just pay money to fucking get that shit handled you know what i mean because yeah it's fucking crazy the shit like the shit that people come after me for i'm just like i'm like a there's a bunch of people in front of me that you'd need to go after first for this to be real but it's just like it's yeah. fucking crazy bro like people are like oh i see how many youtube followers you've got i really feel like i could get some good money out of you we could ruin you like but to even yeah fuck it's it's actually hectic the the way that it all is now no it's insane it wouldn't even be fun to be like that famous anymore for one you couldn't go to places too you got people just out there trying to get you you know what i mean they're trying to find anything they'll fucking hack into your phone Pull up your dick pics. I'm just kidding. <laughs> don't expose, though, don't expose oh. those ones. Fucking, oh shit. But um, no. Hey, I, was, I didn't. I didn't know I was gonna have a fucking podcast before I was doing that. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. But um, yeah, I'm I'm happy. Where well, I'm you at. think I don't want to be a famous person? Nah, dude. You think about like the there's like levels to it eh? like even that's what like you mentioned top g i'm an andrew tate fan i like the i like a lot of what he says I've, i feel like i'd see through a lot of the shit that people get upset at him for it's like it's literally he just speaks clickbait essentially like instead of clickbaiting a right. thumbnail and a title he just speaks in clickbait but it's like right. i fucking respect a lot of what he says but then you see how hard he tried to get that famous and now he is like insanely famous but i wonder yeah if it's worth being that famous even and i even wonder that with this mm. like i'm like fuck dude how big does this show get before it's like weird and then you go okay that's actually it's fucking too much well i think joe rogan's the only one that really pulled off the whole got cancelled but but pretty much said no i don't get fucking cancelled you know like everyone loves joe rogan and that was just some people out there trying to get him you know and it's like joe rogan dude he's like the legend he's the goat and people just ah they're just so dumb but that's just that's just how it is you know they're just always people out there to get you yeah no it's fucking that's true dude well i love you bro it's uh it's been awesome to actually get to do this for the proper full in-studio deal and uh it definitely won't be the last time we do it hopefully next year there's a studio in america me you and ando would be fucking gold yeah we did a little snippet of that at oz x a few years ago but uh yeah that'd be yeah fine. yeah that'd be good you boys are in a different position we have now, we, we have yeah me and ando have some stories that like we can't even say on a podcast like some 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 good yeah. uh just some good shit but hey those are gonna have to be for the campfire yeah <laughs> no no it's fine by me well hey bro i really appreciate it good luck this year too we didn't really talk about too much of this year shit but i know you're gonna do good and uh yeah you'll have 
me and the rest of the Gypsy Gang cheering for you, bro. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening.